<laughs> I, I'm just looking for are you. All right? Yeah, I'm just. <laughs> I just had a dumb idea. You said, "Give me all your shmups," and I'm thinking, "Give me all your shmup and all your oh, ships geez. and bombas too." <laughs> oh, it's oh, terrible. Shoot the core cast. Welcome to Shoot the Corecast, the official companion podcast to the RF Generation Shmup Club. This is the family-friendly shmup-themed podcast that gives you more bang for your bomber. I'm Addicted, also known as Addicted to Shmups, and with me always is... Metal Fro, also known as Game Boy Guru. And if you would like to connect with us, uh, you can do so in a number of ways. Follow us on Twitter at ShootCoreCast. You can also follow me directly at Game Boy Guru. You can find all the links to the podcast feed at our Linktree page, linktr.ee slash shootthecorecast, and find the feed that uh, you want to use. If you would, please like, rate, uh, subscribe, review, etc. the podcast on your preferred platform. And also check out our Discord server, which is linked from our Linktree page, so you can join in on a Shmup Club playthrough and uh, chat with us there. And also follow me on Twitch to get notifications of new streams, because I do stream the Shmup Club Game of the Month multiple times throughout each month, and that is twitch.tv slash guru gameboy. And don't forget to also take a look at RF Generation, where we have our community playthrough, as well as other other. Uh, other broadcast such as playcast and the collector cast also there is a large database that you can use to catalog your collection if you're like me you constantly forget about what games you bought and uh, keep buying the same thing i mean recently i ended up buying at least six copies of mass effect for the ps4 and uh, each time i said oh five dollars and then i realized oh wait i have this oh look another one five dollars and remembered so it's definitely worth it to check before you buy and to keep track of everything otherwise you'll end up with at least 60 copies of mass effect like i did yeah well i've done that a few times even with cataloging my games Um, but it's definitely helpful to have that quick reference that you can pull up on your phone and go and look to see do i have this no okay cool um and so, yeah, really super helpful. Yeah, and uh, let this be a warning to people, too. Uh, I also purchased those after consuming a lot of Texmexium. And uh, never, ever go eBay or Amazon shopping after you've had a lot of Texmexium. Just leads Indeed. to trouble. All right. Well, let's jump right into our question of the month here. And uh, I threw that out on our Discord and on Twitter. And that is... What game that is locked to a specific platform would you like to see ported to something modern or something else? I'd like to see anything by Dispatch Games ported from Vaporware. (laughs) Shots fired. (laughs) 
Yeah, for what? The 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 thirty second month in a row? Oh, something like that. Yeah. Uh, just, at this point, I'm just trying to beat a dead horse, it seems. I think you're just punching the sidewalk where the dead horse used to exist. Yeah, I guess all I got out of that dead horse was some armor. <laughs> uh, so, Very Egg on our Discord jumped in and said, I'll get the obvious ones out of the way. Butari and Ketsui and Garega into the Switch and PC, please. Also... God Hand and the Drakengard games would also not be opposed to remasters of 3rd gen Armored Core. Variag doesn't want much, huh? huh. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, Futari we need really bad. Um, because the 360 version is the only version, and while it's region free. It's not cheap now, and uh, it, it definitely needs to be played by a wider, wider audience. And yeah, I would love to see M2 eventually bring their Ketsui and, and Garega ports to the Switch. Um, <clears throat> I don't think PC is happening, but if it could at least be on more than one platform, that would be awesome. Um, you would you would think it, it it's in their plans, but you think it'd probably be brought to us by Livewire at this point, right? And in collaboration with them too. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, Livewire, maybe. Um, but I'm not sure if Livewire would would do anything based on M2's work or not. Yeah, but that's a, maybe. Maybe. I, I would, we could end up with something weird like uh, Mushi, uh, not Mushi, but uh, Pink Sweets and uh, Moochie Moochie Pork coming over from Livewire instead since they seem to be doing a lot of porting from the 360 stuff. But Livewire is, is predominantly focused right now on Radiant Silver Gun, right? I mean, that they're, anyone who pre-ordered that from Limited Run received the email that they're adding the soundtrack and everything to the cartridge, so they are looking at polishing that up before they move anywhere else. Right. Yeah, and um, and uh, Bunniest Bunrina in the Discord uh, just put a bunch of arrows, uh, up arrows, you know, shift six on your keyboard to um, Variag's post. I don't know if that was an endorsement of the shmups, the non-shmups, or all of it, but um, we'll let you decide. Uh, my guess would be all of it. We, next up, we have MF Blur, who channels his best Mark MSX with Batrider, my dude. <laughs> yeah, Batrider would be a shame if that was locked to uh, one of the little arcade mini consoles. Uh, Pony Trigon says, Hoo boy, this list is ever growing. But if I had to choose just one, I'd choose Night Striker. We need a Night Striker port. And maybe Starblade VR. Uh, yes. To both. Yeah, I definitely agree to both on those, but I would, if I had the choice, I'd say Night Striker over Starblade VR. True. There's just something about Night Striker, and then Japan apparently agrees. I've seen what they're going right for the PCB is with it. Outrageous. Yeah. I will say though, Starblade VR sounds like a cool idea um, because 
having finally played Starblade in an arcade uh, when I visited Chicago last year. Um, that's a pretty cool experience. There we go, the, the galloping ghost experience. That was actually uh, down at um, Prince Arcades. Oh, Prince. Wow. The part of the Joel collection or the DJ Psycho M1 collection? No, but it was definitely one that he pointed out to me when we were there. Nice. We start out with the Chonks approves this one. Yeah. All right. Speaking of approval, <clears throat> Synthetron Prime says Thunder Force 5 or Gradius 5? Yeah, Thunder Force 5 things are showing up. I would love to see sort of like a Thunder Force collection similar to what they're doing with the um, with the recently announced Metal Gear Solid collection where you do like maybe one, two, three on there and, and then, well, okay, maybe for you girl, we have to do one, two, three, four, but you do Thunder Force one, two, three, four, and the re- and then you do the second pack that has you know, five and six on it. Yeah, I mean, that would be that would be amazing. Um, you know, some of the work has has already been done with, uh, well, hamster, I guess right? M two right. with the Sega Ages stuff. You know, they did Thunder Force four, and then they did um, Thunder Force AC. I guess you could say, but. Yeah, you know, if you could if you could do that with those games and and get good ports of them, that would be nice. The it, it, I was going to say to be fair to Konami, Konami doesn't seem afraid anymore to put their stuff on the Switch or in the PS4 to to do these type of collections as the uh, numerous Castlevania's collections, right? The GBA collection and the console collection and then the Contra collection shows and even the Metal Gear Solid Konami's not afraid to port their stuff out anymore they will gladly do it to anybody who throws money their way yeah it's just now that Sega owns the the uh, Technosoft IP um, I'm wondering if they'll ever do anything with it like that it'll show up in the next Sonic the Hedgehog game a Gradius Five, yeah, Gradius Five would be great if we could if we could get that, um, you know, move forward somewhere. Wasn't Gradius Five a NA and JP exclusive? Right, it, I don't think it ever came out in Europe, or maybe I'm wrong on that. I would have to look. Well, anyways, um, Corkman seventy seven says I got to go with some forgotten Toeplan games. V5 and Tatsujin O had ports from the arcade, but those are pretty rare games. But my answer here is Vimana. Everyone forgot poor Vimana. It's a game that desperately needs a port, so it's not forgotten, and to show how fun it really is. Tolplan forever. Yeah, I suspect Vimana will eventually get the M2 treatment through their Toplan Arcade Garage series. Um... But given, you know, how how long it is between releases, you have to wonder how many years we're going to have to wait to see stuff like V5 or Vimana or Dogeun or even their port of Batsugan. Here's hoping, yeah. It does seem like eventually everything is going to make its way to... 
PS4 or Switch, whether it's Hamster or M2 or, or somebody doing something this time, there's enough interest in the back catalog that people are interested in bringing forward. And anything that's even remotely sellable is being reported. I mean, if you had told me in the year 2020 or in 2019, says, yeah, in July of uh, 2023, they're going to release gimmick for the Switch. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he was like, what? Or, yeah, yeah, they're going to re- release uh, Symphony of the Night and uh, <clears throat> Symphony of the Night and Dracula X for the PC Engine CD on the PS4 as a combo. People would start looking, you're so strange. Yeah. <laughs> And the amount of stuff that we're getting this generation because the development costs are so high, right? You have your AAA, which is you know, it costing like 200, 300 million, just huge amounts of money to make all these games. But then you have your sort of indie titles, but the amount of indie titles that are coming out are really stellar quality. And, well, majority of them are stellar quality. And really showing off that there's a renaissance of these type of titles. I mean, think back to Mark MSX and some of the early years of Electric Underground, or or even within uh, what used to be formerly known as Studio Muppets. I don't know what to say. Or Extremes Channel. I don't quite know the verbiage for this. But in those early years, I was like, oh, look, a new shmup. You know, this is great. Let's do it. It didn't, it wasn't really made of this quality. It matter of the fact that it was there. Uh, and you look at in the early 2000s, there weren't a lot of stuff or STGs or shmups for the PS2, right? There weren't, compared to the PlayStation, you can see that the genre itself was going into a, a period of recession. And it come on through, it, it sped up a little bit with the Xbox 360, but without the Xbox 360, it would have been almost devoid of shmups. And, and Mark was trying to get people more engaged on through that. But now we have a shmup explosion, you know, a shmup bama. The, the amount of shmups out there, I can't even keep track of. And then people are creating new ones every day. They're, you know, it's amazing to see, but there's not that that starvation of content, that draft of content that we had in the early two thousand, early two early two thousands and the aughts that were causing. Well, early 2000s, I guess you could argue Dreamcast, but I'm certain most people get my point. <laughs> you, you don't, you have so much to choose from now than it before, and people keep bringing more and more forward and creating new ones that, you know, I feel very blessed to have a chance to game in this when we've got all this stuff and the possibility of having things constantly moving forward in order to short releases <clears throat> Nintendo is, is a prime example of this anything that they make on the Wii U it's being brought for but then they're also bringing up some of the Wii stuff and they'll continue releases I mean how many times do you think they're going to re-release Donkey Kong Country <laughs> or, right or, or even um, Super Mario Brothers they don't they just keep continuing the older version but a lot of the like Splatoon 2 chances are we will see that on some form but you know, Switch 4, Switch 6, will, you know, oh, okay, it's an 8K remaster of Splatoon 2. But they keep <clears throat> creating these and bringing these forward. And I think that th- this is the type of future that we'll see where we finally acknowledge that video games have a legacy worth keeping and it, they can make money by bringing these forward. Sure. 
So, our next one comes to us from Koala and says, I would love to see Plants vs. Zombies on Switch, Super Auto Pets on Switch, Fish on Switch, Halo Unlike, anything else, Mario and other Nintendo games on PC, etc. I'm not so sure we'll see Mario games on PC. There's a couple that did come that way. Like the the PC-88, the Hudson made one. Have you played that one? I have not, but that is uh, very it's an interesting... Jinky. Uh, interesting piece from that time. Definitely. I'm not so sure that we'll see Mario games on PC, but Plants vs. Zombies, I think if it wasn't for Splatoon, I think Plants vs. Zombies would be huge on the Switch. I think Splatoon sort of fills that need, and even EA themselves was sort of backed off on that. Now that's if we're talking about the first-person shooter. If we're talking about some of the original ones developed on there yeah i could definitely see that popping up pretty well with the touch screen or in a good to go game i wonder if it would have to appear in a bundle at this point remember how they did uh like Pagel? they did plants vs zombies by itself but they also did Pagel and what were some of the other things that they put in there from pop up games oh yeah i don't you know remember. on the 360 yeah i don't remember that yeah, they had a Plants vs. Zombies by itself, and then they had a Plants vs. Zombies Collector's Edition. But that was back when it was a tower defense game. And then they did the Pagel and Pagel Knights. There was a, a DS and stuff. I could see that type of stuff being brought forward in a collection. <laughs> Similar to where they had stuff like... One, you remember those collector packs? It had Limbo, um, Explosion Man, or Miss Explosion Man, and uh, Trials. I think the very first Trials game in a collection... They did oh. a couple of those. Yeah, I, I guess I wasn't aware of that. Yeah, for the 360. I, I could see them doing something like that with <laughs> Paul in there. It, uh, I wonder on how much how, mu- how much they would bring that for. As we're recording that, finally recording this, I apologize for delaying this. Everyone who's listening, I'm sorry. We're, we're trying to get this out faster and faster, but the life responsibilities keep hitting harder and harder yeah. <laughs> the the <clears throat> recently finished up with the FTC case here right for the Microsoft acquiring Activision one of the big takeaways from that is Bobby Kodak said yeah I didn't realize how big the switch was going to become that's why there isn't a Call of Duty on there <clears throat> we didn't prepare for it is they had tons of Call of Duties on the Wii but they didn't really bother with the Call of Duty on the Switch. <laughs> like, yeah, we underestimated the same. So I wonder if, with the successor that we're going to see whenever that comes out. You know, if, in Nintendo here, they could ha- they could be, have Switch selling for another three years yet. <clears throat> but whatever comes, when it comes to new hardware, you bet that the third parties are going to pay attention this time. And, and when it comes to that, we might be seeing a little bit more of a push from EA, you know, Activision, if they remain third party, or Microsoft, just to, to be on that switch and to capture that uh, audience, and then that was one of the reasons why my Activision looks so favorable as an acquisition target for by Microsoft is that they had a big cell phone or cell phone games coverage. Oh yeah. As far as Halo appearing on the Switch, it's impossible. Microsoft has been, you know, like, you know, whatever will make us money, they really don't care too much. 
I don't think that they care too much about console exclusivity as much as they care about, you know, hey, all we care about is that you spend money on our games. We don't care where you play them from. So, I wonder if Halo or something maybe a little bit less intensive. And now you could say the first couple of Halo games on the 360 would work pretty well if they were there. But I was thinking more it might be more in lines with you know, Halo, uh, Halo Tactics. Or oh. what's it? Halo Wars, right? Halo Wars, yeah. Oh, yeah, I wonder if Halo Wars might be a better fit for the Switch. That or they would do a cloud gaming version. Yeah. But most of the 360 stuff, as it's been shown by Livewire, ports pretty well over to the Switch. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they could probably make that work. Uh, Drake Tungsten says Otomedius excellent. And make good use of that touchpad. <laughs> oh, my. You know, the interesting thing about this is there's a there's a guy who works for Play Asia doing marketing and stuff, and he will occasionally do Switch game mock-ups um, to throw out on his Twitter account just to sort of what if, you know, I'd like to see this come to Switch. And it's been a couple of years, but he did a mock-up of Otomedius Excellent, um, as to what it would might look like if it came out on the switch. And so, yeah, um, this has definitely been floated before, at least by others who want it. Yeah. Odin series is not one of my personal favorite, but it also has a sort of high probability of coming to the switch. Just the fact that it's the 360 game. It was there, but I wonder if, Konami might do more of a let's do a collection type where right? where you have uh, well they did with like Proteus and Proteus Da. I wonder if they'll do it here with let's say Gradius. Here's Gradius one through four, or if it's Konami could be just Gradius one and two, <laughs> three and four, and and then five five and maybe Automedius, but. It definitely, the possibility exists, and with Odomadius being the 360 or you know, just a couple gens ago, I think it has a higher chance than maybe something like the PS2 or Gradius 5. Right. And, and Odomadius G would probably have to be included over. Yeah, I mean, I would think that they would, if they were going to do that, it would make sense to just port them both. Yeah, I would say you probably have a higher chance of this coming out, but being Japan exclusive. Yep. Because that's where most of your target audience is. Yep. All right, our next comment comes from to us from the infamous Duke Togo. It says, Parsec on the TI-99-4A. I have not played Parsec on the TI-99. I'm certain I'm going to get a message telling me how I can play this pretty soon. Yeah, I... Do you know if the TI-99 is uh, on the Mister? You know what? It might be. <laughs> but I get the feeling from him, he'd, he'd tell me to hook it up to a CRT TV. <laughs> Buy one, hook it up, and get it going. Yep. Heck, he might even have one uh, that he he would sell you for a nominal fee. <laughs> yeah, only if it can keep up with the Commodore. Uh Yes. Uh, Real Lord Dalek says, probably lost to the code, but R-Type, Delta, and Final. Yeah. 
R-Type Delta could probably work pretty quickly here. I, I don't... Oh, a PS1 emulator seems like it could probably work pretty quickly in this day and age. I mean, if the Mister could do it, I, I don't see too much of a problem with doing that stuff. I mean, look at Kanoa or heck, any of the other stuff. That they, look at Square Enix, right? Half their titles they put on the Switch seem to be uh, PS1 po ports come back there, right? Uh, we're looking at the Chrono, was it Radical Dreamers? Was that the one I'm looking at? No, what's a um, Chrono Cross, right? Oh, yeah. No, or uh, too many things can, too many things. Chrono something. Yeah, Chrono Cross. <laughs> well, it was Chrono Cross. Yeah. Yes, Chrono Trigger is the first. One. Yeah. Okay. Too many things here. Yes, Chrono Cross is on there. If if the, if Square Enix can do it, I don't see why not. But I'm trying to remember who owns Irem at this point in their properties. Ah, uh, well, I'm not sure about. I mean, the IP is in the hands of Granzella. I just don't know if they still own the IP or if they own the IP fully or if someone else, you know, owns it and they're just, they just have rights to it. Um, so, yeah, it'd be interesting, you know, if 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 they had the, the code or if there was a way that they could reverse engineer it and do what M2 did with G. Darius, you know, G. Darius HD, that looks and plays brilliantly. If you could do something similar with R-Type Delta, that would look pretty slick, I think. See, this one, in my opinion, at least R-Type Delta, has one of the highest probabilities of becoming real. I think, if I remember correctly, that the Iron Collection that by, done by Strictly Limited, they're going to have another one that is just Strictly Shmups, maybe even two out of that five-volume set. So I wouldn't be surprised if something like that shows up on it. Yeah, that'd be interesting to see. I mean, I, I suspect they're going to they're gonna focus on arcade games, but... Our type Leo. Oh, man, we need Leo so bad. Well, what was the other one? Cosmo Police Gullivan? Was that one thinking of? What was the other one like it? Um, uh, no, um... An uh, R-Type game, but was it? Gallop. Gallop, thank you. I knew it began with a G. Banana Bite says, I don't care how much porting games to modern systems, since I can still play them on the older systems, but two games I think deserve a bigger audience and receive more love, Armed Police, Batrider, and Pidia. Both rank at top 10 schmumps of all time for me. Yeah, I think APB... Not to be confused with the uh, Taito game. Or Arm Police Batrider is one that several people want. Apidia, I don't think I've played. Have you? I haven't, but it's a very well-regarded Amiga shooting game. Um, definitely one that I want to check out at some point. Easy Racer says, Cannon Spike. Cue the plug for the episode now. <laughs> Yeah, we uh, we did a crossover episode with uh, Playcast on that here a couple of years ago, and that was a fun, a fun one. Yeah, the only episode that was taken down for a while due to copyright strike, right? Yeah, because it contained the licensed music. Yeah, because they use license, they use uh, snippets of of music in their in their podcast. So 
if you want to if you want to hear that episode, you have to go to their feed um, and check it out. Uh, it's no longer on our feed because with our podcast being on Spotify, among other services, they uh, they frown upon that. Even, you know, small snippets of music. Yeah, even though you put it in a brick roll, they still flag you. Yep. Necros says, I'm Honda HD and PC. Now, I think after the weeks, past couple weeks you've had, you probably disagree at this point. No, I mean, yeah, I've been, I've been trying to... Uh, de-rust on Einhander so I can capture footage because I've kind of I kind of slowed way down on gathering footage for video podcast episodes so I've been trying to get back into the swing of it and start doing that again but Einhander's been kicking my butt despite that it's still a great game um the 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 one thing that is bad news about this is my understanding is that Square uh, Square Enix doesn't have the code for this. So if this was going to happen, it would have to be re-engineered um, or reverse engineered somehow or, you know, do a do a PlayStation emulation situation and. Um, yeah, have it up resing and top, stuff right? like that. Yeah, similar to like Halo, where you've got something that sits on top, and you can switch between right the high res and the low res. Oh, that could be uh, that could be one way of doing it. Um, but yeah, it, it, my understanding is the code for the for the original Einhundred game and many other PlayStation era SquareSoft games is lost. Um, but I I would like to see that come out in HD form. And eventually on other platforms, if it's if it's possible. Certainly, me too. I wonder if this would be more like where they use an emulator and then they put in a collection. Square was very famous back in the early 2000s of doing collection. Like here is the best of Square Enix collection, Volume Three, and here's Volume Four. They even put ones where like they had like a clock and different things inside for each one. They were Japanese only releases, but. Hmm. And they well, like one of I know Chrono Trigger was part of that. Uh, Chrono Cross was part of that, and then they I don't think Urgaz was, but they were doing the, all these special editions all the time. Well, I guess not too much has changed there, but they they, they were re-releasing them as like Millennium Edition or something like that. Put them on. So Nerd Chantrum uh, has another vote for Batrider. Yeah, I could definitely see more Batrider coming through, either as an M2 or maybe a hamster port, but I could definitely see it coming over. Yeah, I know that um, I know that M2 has stated they want to do Batrider, um, but I want to say. At some point early on, they were they were struggling with um, with getting it to run, even on PS4, with uh, the, to their satisfaction. So it'd be interesting to see, you know, whether that eventually comes out on PS5, or you know, if we have to wait 
Yeah, <laughs> it could be like a, a PS2 uh, Ketsui type situation. Right. All right, Damaku Retro says Gradius 5 and Sokuryo Gorentai. Didn't bet you didn't think I could say that after going to the Mark MSX school of <laughs> Japanese pronunciation. <laughs> I had my doubts, but uh, <laughs> you pulled through. I can play both, no problem, but they need to be played by more people. Both are awesome games. Yeah, Gradius 5, we talked about earlier. <clears throat> it's going to be a tough one. It may be stuck on the PS2 for a little bit longer. And the, P- the PS4 to PS2 emulation is not that great. I not certain I haven't tried it on the PS5 <clears throat> but I just don't see that one being or a lot of PS2 games becoming <clears throat> something of a standard at this point in time even though we are 20 years 23 years pa- almost past uh, when the PS2 was released yeah Fomacho said Crazy Taxi 3 High Roller I don't think it's been included in any Xbox backwards compatibility. I've never even tried it, but Crazy Taxi scratches such an itch. There was a whole bunch of stuff about Sega doing, bringing their stuff forward, right? There not there a Samba de Amigo that was included in there that they were working on? And then Crazy Taxi was also named. And oh, I'm trying to think of some of the other arcade properties. But Sega was trying to make a real big push for importing some of these forward. Last time that Crazy Taxi 1 was PS2, Dreamcast, and I think that was it. But, well, Arcade, of course, but... And then Crazy Taxi 2, as far as I remember, is Dreamcast only, and then Crazy Taxi 3 is Xbox only. Yeah. <clears throat> but but Xbox, for the most part, is just another PC, right? It was a Celeron with... A little bit less, a little bit less memory than what you'd normally get in the arcade version, but it was still about the same. So that shouldn't be that hard time bringing forward. But maybe I'm just uh, talking out, out of my proverbial uh, behind here. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, I I assume you can do it. Uh, Rare Replay brought forth, brought forward some stuff. Uh, including, I think, some... Didn't they... Grab by Ghoulies. Yeah, didn't they bring forward a couple of their OG Xbox games? Yeah, Grab by Ghoulies is the only one that I'm aware of. Oh, okay. What, but yes, they, they did bring it forward. Isn't, isn't the version of Conker's Bad Fur Day that was on the Rare Replay, isn't that the... the oh, that could be. Live and Reloaded, or whatever it's called? <laughs> that could be. You know, I I have it, but it's been such a long time since I played it, so I I would have to check. And I think that they messed with the Banjo Kazooie as well. I, I think the Banjo Kazooie is the 360 version. Is that was originally they were meant so you could connect them, the original cards that is the N64, so that way you could take them out and then insert the other cart. So it would basically check the save data and mm. unlock a special feature. But I they took that out. But I think that portion they put back in when they made the 360 or Xbox Live Arcade version. Oh. So technically it's not really what they're referring to when talking about Xbox, but grab by Ghoulies and you're probably right with Conquer. Right. Alright. Tetraphobia says, my answer up until about a month ago would have been Batsagun. 
This could be a future show now that more people can play it. Yeah. Uh, I wonder. I'm, I'm going to say yes, but not yet. Um, ultimately, I would like to wait for the M2 version. Um, because I know that the Saturn Tribute version, even as, you know, some people have said that it, it plays pretty smoothly, I, I still think the, uh, the amount of input delay with that would frustrate some folks. And for those who have never touched Batrider via emulation, I would hate for them to get a a bad first impression of the game because it's it's too much of a high watermark for that period of time I think that we would want to we would want to make sure that the experience is good. Wait, are we confusing Batrider and Bats again? Oh I'm sorry. Yes. Uh but yeah, Bats again. Um because right now the Saturn Tribute version is the only one that's out. Right, and that is just a bin queue in <laughs> in a nice emulated wrapper. So it's, I don't, don't get me wrong, I'm glad that they're putting these out. I'm glad people are enjoying them. But for people who want the uh, Mark MSX authentic experience, you're better off waiting for M2. Yeah, I just think it's it would be in in our best interest to to wait until that's out before we dive deep into that. The Gaming Hubby said Fantasy Zone 2 DX slash W. Currently only playable on a Japanese PS2 via the Fantasy Zone collection and 3DS via the eShop or Sega 3D Classics collection. It's a shame this didn't get a Sega Ages release on Switch. Yes, it is. Now, the... Technically, this is playable through other means. Uh, DJ Psycho M1 has a custom Sega 16B board that has double the RAM on it, and you can burn the ROMs in order to play Fantasy Zone 2, which he has done on stream. And it is the same, you know, M2 version of the game that was created for that uh, Japanese PS2 release and uh, that was used on the 3DS release, but. It would be nice to get a proper modern console version of that and have that available. And yeah, that would have been a perfect candidate for something like Sega Ages on the Switch because the first Fantasy Zone got a Sega Ages release on Switch and it was it was fantastic. So it really is too bad that Sega axed that line before we really got further down the road and, and they were allowed to do some more really cool things with it. Yeah, it's a shame that the Sega Ages disappeared. I wonder if they'll come back to and, and do some sort of collection that on there. I mean, they, they've shown that uh, they they can come back and redo stuff with the recent release of Sonic Origins. You know, well, recent re-release of the re-release of the re-release of Sonic Origins. Let's just hope that we don't need a spreadsheet in order to figure out what version to buy. Yeah. Alright, STG View says Viewpoint. It's easy emulation, but a modern port would be great. Even new releases, a la Cotton Reboot, designed for widescreen plus range mode. Yeah, I definitely enjoy Viewpoint. I think that maybe doing something like a Viewpoint collection 
where it had the Genesis version, you've got Neo Geo CD, and then the MVS. And maybe what I'm trying to think, there was a um, 88,000 port, wasn't there? Uh, yeah, the it was on the oh, 68,000. Marty, I think. Was it Marty? I thought it was 68,000. Um, it's it's been a minute uh, since we did that episode, so I don't remember. Yeah, the top of my head. Well, I'll just name the three to three major Japanese computers and get it right. Right, there's <laughs> a PC88, X68000, and the FM FM Towns. Right, right. It's on one of those. <laughs> now, if it was on the Marty, then we're dealing with what a 386. <laughs> yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you could definitely do it with what you have these days, regardless. Yeah, but... That would be neat to see. But uh, to STG View, I will just say, yes, please, and thank you for uh, being on Team Viewpoint. Uh, Shmups as a Hobby also votes for Einhander and R-Type Delta. Yeah, R-Type Delta is something that was the top of my list to see. Redone. I don't think that gets enough love. Salamanco says, Border Down. This one really needs to pull out of the darkness. Yeah, a lot of the Dreamcast schmups need to be pulled out of there. I know that Capcom did it with their Capcom Arcade collection, but Border Down is you know, a very, very expensive <laughs> title at this at this point in time, and it's a shame too. I, I, w- I wish that this would be made more easily available. Heck, it was whatever you got bordered down, um, under defeat. Whatever, I mean, is, is is sort of getting there, right? Uh, what what are, what are some of the other late uh, Dreamcast muffs that should be boarded? Um. I mean, we've seen a couple of them, uh, like, um, oh, good grief. I'm going to totally forget here. There was a, oh, there was one that was a, an NG dev team release that I can't think of off the top of my head. Not Neo XYX, right? No, but that would be cool if we got that. Um, Uh, Pink Bullets? Well, there's Last Hope, Pink Bullets, right. that would be good. But there was another one that got a PS4 release. Um, here. It's definitely not Lord. Yeah. There was another one that got a PS4 release here about two and a half, three years ago, I think. An NG Dev? It wasn't Ghostblade. No. Oh. Um, I don't remember off the top of my head. But, yeah... And uh, I mean, Trigger Heart Exalica would be another one that would be would be good. Of course, the the group who has uh, rights to the name uh, Trigger Heart Exalica now said they would like to bring the original game forward, um, but right now they're focusing on ramping up the IP and maybe bringing a new game. Uh, well, oh, oh, you're talking probably about uh, Fast Striker, right? Yes, Fast Striker. That at least got a, a new release. But I don't think Last Hope has. 
No, Last Hope stayed on the Neo Geo CD or Dreamcast. Uh, Krautbuster would be a nice one to see the Metal Gear, uh, not Metal Gear, the Metal Slug homage. Uh, Razion, I know, went over to the Switch. Uh, Fast Tracker, yes, you're right, that went over to uh, PS4. PS4 and Vita, right? Vita. Yep. Yep. And then Gunlord is on the Switch. Neo XYX, that is, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, but that game, you you can't find it on the the Dreamcast. A lot of copies have dried up, and it's very hard to find. You can find copies on the MVS, but you're going to pay anywhere between thirteen hundred to eighteen hundred dollars. Ouch. Yeah, yeah, and we'll talk a little bit more about that as we get further in the episode here in the year 2024. But, <laughs> <laughs> but but I I think that's all that I can see for NG develop games. And, well, aside from Gunvane, which I guess we'll talk about in a little bit. Yeah. And then finally, Schlarp closes us out with uh, Lollipop Chainsaw, which, yeah, that's yeah. that's still on the 360 and PS3, right? PS3, right, where the PS3 version is more expensive because reasons. But the... This, I heard that they were in the process of remaking, or at least it was rumored to be moved on over. Oh. Now, Shadows of the Shadows of the Damned, I know, doesn't have a high probability of coming over. But Lollipop Chainsaw... Wasn't there three of these that were made? There's Shadows of the Damned, Lollipop Chainsaw... I thought there was a third one. Um, well, there was a 360 version of No More Heroes... Right. No, that was a P3, PS3 version of No More Heroes. Well, but I mean, it was on Xbox 360 in Japan. I, have I, was, that I thought that was PS3. Okay. Oh, all right. Because I know there's the PS3 version of No More Heroes. I think it used the move controller or some weird thing like that. Yeah, I think so. To sort of mirror what the what it did on the Wii. Yeah, let's see here. Oh, was it was it Killer7 that was up and ported? That one I'm thinking of. Killer is Dead is the other one I was thinking of. Oh. And then the Silver Case, which was an older one that came out and was upported. You don't hear people talk about that. But the main ones you hear I'm talking about are Lollipop, Chainsaw, Shadows of the Damned, and No More Heroes. Right. And No More Heroes has been picked, that torch has been picked up by Nintendo and they keep doing So yeah, Lollipop, Chop, that uh, Lollipop, Lollipop, Chainsaw, and Shadows of the Damned, but Lollipop, Chainsaw has a much higher probability of going through of all the grasshopper manufacturer games. Yeah, I think it's probably got the broadest appeal. Alright, well, thank you everyone for uh, chiming in on that. Um, And so, I guess now it falls to us to answer the question. Um, What I mean, what game or games would you like to see moved forward or or on more than, you know, whatever platform it's stuck on? Hmm. For me, I, I would definitely like to say anything that's cave that's stuck on the 360 move forward. They've been doing a great job. If you had told me that Death Smiles 1 and 2 would be ported and moved over, I would have thought you were crazy, but here we are. And we've already got physicals of Mushi... Um, Espaluda 2, and we have Mushi, Espaluda 2, and uh, uh, DOJ. DFK, thank you. 
But isn't isn't DOJ upcoming anyways from M2? It is. Yeah. But the, the I I would go back to the PS2 for me. Uh, my probably top pick would have to be uh, Futari, but <laughs> for me, I want to go back and say Barra. Let's bring oh. a Barra forward along with Muchi, you know, Muchi and uh, Pink Sweets. But then the other one I definitely want to bring forward is Espaluda. That yeah. let's bring the stuff that's stuck on the PS2 forward again, so more people will enjoy them. I, I think that there's enough an audience where you can take a risk on the switch and sell something for like $20 for a 360 port or in this case, a PS2 port and get away with that. I mean, we already have it. Esperade, right? Or ESP raid. I think has almost as many pronunciations as Gradius or uh, a tomato, tomato, potato, potato, and uh, (laughs) Darius and Darius. How many times there or uh, guy Yes, Guy RS. <laughs> yep. <laughs> the many pronunciations of shmup titles, but eh, I wouldn't have to say, let's move back to the PS2 area. Let's bring some of that stuff forward. Yeah. I would love to see, again, Ibarra brought forward, and I would love to see Espaluda. <laughs> Espaluda holds a special place in my heart because it, my wife and I went over to um, Paris for our 10th wedding anniversary. And one of the gifts that she got me there is we went over to the Voltaire section and there's a game store and she bought me Espaluda for the Japanese PS2 as a 10-year wedding anniversary. That's a heck of an anniversary gift. It is. I'm going to go all the way back to the Mega Drive and say that we very much need to see Eliminate down. Um, that that's a good title. Yeah, that that one has never seen a release outside of Japan, and as far as I'm aware, has never seen a re-release anywhere. Um, not on the Wii Virtual Console back in the day, and um, certainly not on the expanded Nintendo Switch Online subscription. Well, if uh, City Connection gets a hold of it, you get three, three different versions published, and then it'll show up on the Switch for ten bucks. Yeah. Well, I don't know if uh, I don't know if anybody from Retrobit even knows our podcast exists, but um, you know, eliminate down, please, and thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, LV. What are they doing now? They just released like a day or two ago. LV into and what was the other one? Uh, Solfees. Solfees, yes. Yeah. Renovation. Yes. Oh, speaking of, you know what? Here's one title that I'm surprised no one said. <laughs> if you're going back to the Genesis or the Mega Drive, what about Battle Mania 1 and 2? Yes. Um, Battle Mania Daijingo would be, would be especially good because... It never got released outside Japan, but even the first one, you know, cartridges for that are expensive now. I mean, I got lucky when I found a cartridge-only copy back in the late 90s or early 2000s. It was still cheap. Yeah, Um, that's called Troubleshooter, right, in the West? Yeah, and I only gave a few bucks for the copy, and I'm sure it's because of the sort of lame... uh, 
ESPN exercise TV show kind of outfits that the ladies were wearing on the on the cover art. It's got that U.S. cover of Valus Two style, right? Oh, it's terrible. I mean, it's it's cheesy fun, but it's terrible. You know what? To come to speak of that, Valus would have probably been a title if it, you know, a couple of years ago that people were clamoring for to come forward. Yes, and now it has. Yep. So it's definitely possible. Yep. Oh, you know what? You know what? Probably is probably number one at my list right now. Gun vein. Let's get that ported physical. Oh, well, I'm pretty sure it's happening, which segues us segues us nicely into our focus shot discussion about gun vein. Everybody, go buy it now. Yes, and. We mentioned last episode that it had released on the Switch, and so I've actually been playing a decent amount of this on the Switch, and I wanted to talk about it for a couple of reasons. Um, Number one, because I'm finally getting some real use out of my flip grip. Uh, You know, when I first got the flip grip, I was was working... um, far enough away from home that I was just at work all day and and uh, so I took my switch to the office with me sometimes and I remember playing uh, Strikers 1945 on break uh, with the flip grip you know, during my lunch break and all that but Joy-Con control is just not ideal for these kinds of experiences and so I bought this uh the Nixie Wizard um, Joy-Con alternative controllers, which are sort of styled after the GameCube controller. And they are a little bit big and, and slightly unwieldy, but it works fairly well for this purpose. And one of the nice things about Gunvane is that it was actually designed with analog control in mind, not just arcade stick. Uh, so it works very well in in that setting because of the variable movement. Another cool thing about the Switch version is that it actually has uh, a special mode for the Switch called handheld, which is, uh, I would say, probably a little bit easier than the mild difficulty but also tweaked a little bit to make it uh, specifically good for handheld play uh, because it it makes the bomb shard icons a little bit larger and it has a flashing um, outline around the icons so that they stand out a bit more amongst all the chaos that you uh, deal with in the in the game and so, running Gunvane in Tate mode on the Switch using the flip grip, it plays beautifully. And I've been I've been doing that a bunch here lately. Um, you know, it's a kind of a good thing for me to do in the evening after I'm done streaming and I raid somebody else's stream, fire up the Switch, throw it in the flip grip, and play some Gunvane. And so I've been kind of practicing with that. I'm close to, I'm close to a one CC in the handheld mode, with Type B, 
and uh, or type C, excuse me. And uh, I managed to get all the way to the stage five boss, and I was I had a sliver of health left on the uh, first form of the final boss before I lost my last life. Uh, and so I I don't think it's going to be that long before I I end up getting the one CC on it. But yeah, the the switch version. My only gripe with the Switch version is the load times. And I know Boghog mentioned something about how the, the load times might not be uh, something that could be fixed necessarily. Um, at least on the Switch version. But uh, either way, it's, it's well worth picking up. And I know that a physical is planned for it. Uh, so I will... I will definitely be on the lookout for when that gets announced. Very nice, and GG to you for getting close to a 1cc. I've not been able to do that, but then of course I'm playing on the expert, and because, you know, I I'm a gratty 3 masochist, so what can <laughs> I say? <laughs> yeah. So, no, I, I every time I play this game, I'm just having a lot of fun until my hand starts cramping up for <laughs> <laughs> the ship around so much, but it, the, it, there is always something going on. There's always something to do. It's not always frantic, but there is the flow is just always there. That always gets the player something to pay attention to, <laughs> keep going. And I'll get into this more when we talk about next month's game. <laughs> but it, it keeps the the flow from ABC or popcorn mid boss boss flowing very nicely where you know in something like our type final which is it's it's definitely a slower game and with the gameplay that sometimes feels like as you're going up the hill in a roller coaster it just sort of stops the action stops where here you're always constantly moving you can moving at different speeds and you're dodging different stuff or paying to different so, uh, but it's always giving you something to do, which keeps the action flowing nicely and uh, allows you to have a good time. Whether you know collecting the bomb fragments on their targeting enemy, doing a focus fire so that way you can set out the bomb and then s score some points. Uh, it really reminds me of Crimson Clover. You know, uh, where we say I'll, I'll always be breaking and this, you know always be bombing, but it, this does such a good job at keeping you engaged yeah. I, you know, I, I have to liken a good shmup experience is like a good dark ride you, you know amusement park dark ride you're gonna be you want to be enveloped or you want to be inside that world and fighting and anything that brings you outside of that world is going to come like a screeching halt Right. It, it, say, for example, you're at a Disneyland. You wait three or four hours to get on the the ride. It's going. You get the loud punch of the speakers. <laughs> there, you, you're seeing things moving all around you, and there's constantly stuff to look at. But the instant something one of the animatronics fails or the lights aren't working properly, it really breaks your immersion. And the thing I love about Gunvay is all of that works so well. You've got the loud punch of the music. You've got 
have the big bright and colorful graphics that draw you then the explosions that draw you everything has been tuned to keep you inside the game it really reminds me of the same type of effect that you get for going for a good arcade game right you they want you to be drawn in and they want you to be enthralled where your entire world is that game and that's how I feel playing Gunvane. It, it, it's a, a little bit more of a game. It's more than a game. It's an experience. I know that sounds cliched, but it, I really get that feel of when I, I'm playing it, I am just focusing on Gunvane. That said, uh, as I mentioned, I've been playing on Expert. I've been doing a little bit more of Ship Type B because ship type C tends to ruin my thumbs as I'm constantly throwing bombs around or charge shots around. <laughs> and I think I got up to stage three on that without having to put in another quarter. So that's been working out pretty well. It also helps that I've been playing similar type games. I played through on medium difficulty and beat like Dreamer. That was a lot of fun and that that had, even though it had a little bit more of a strategy type aesthetic, it, it still had a, a pretty fast-paced type gameplay. Very well, it, it, all I should preface this by also saying I've been playing a lot more Gunvane than I have been of our type final. So I, it, it's consistently drawn me in, and I am glad that we chose it. Yeah, me too. Go pick it up on Switch or on PC. Absolutely. All right, let's foot, go over to Shrump News here. Trouble Witches Final, also known as Trouble Witches Episode 1, Daughters of Amalgam, has released for Nintendo Switch and PS4 in Japan. Studio Siesta has already announced a limited edition will be available overseas, so the small print run companies will likely be handling the Western version. My guess is going to come down to strictly limited, or it's going to be limited run games on this. Yeah, I have a. I feel like the um, Trouble Witches IP, even though it's not big in the West, it's been out in the West on Steam long enough that it's probably got name recognition by this point. So yeah, it'll probably probably go to LRG or SLG. Yeah, LRG has, has been taking a little bit more interest in shmups, which has traditionally been the realm of SLG. Yeah. Uh, um, so, so that's sort of interesting to see them them take more of a shmup centric approach at stri- at limited games. Uh, sorry, limited run games. Uh, for sure. Yeah. But I th- I think that Josh is a big uh, key fan. Yes. Yes, I would agree. Um, there's a new indie shmup, um, and the name. I'm I'm gonna try to do this because when you read the name on Steam, it's it's weird. But basically, i7 in vitro, and it's out on Steam and itch.io. And as of this recording, it's selling for only a dollar ninety nine. And it looks like a cross between Toho or something like uh, Cosmic Dreamer or Light Dreamer. 
and Ketsui, because it has this interesting sort of score chip uh, mechanic and also the the kind of um, homing shot mechanic like you get in Ketsui with the focus. Um, but it looks interesting. And I remember seeing early footage of this on YouTube and on Twitter when it was still in development. Um, so this might be worth checking out. That's the cost of two items from the dollar menu. That's definitely worth it. Yeah. A new Famicom shooter over OBJ, aka Over Object, has released and is selling physically from the dev, as well as Japanese retailer Beep. Several batches of game have already sold through, but keep checking. Dev has said the game will be available via retail for at least the next year, and the dev's previous game is still available. So they'll keep printing while there's still demand. Now this is something that popped up on my radar, and I'm all for this. This is probably going to be my next purchase. I I love uh, Famicom Schmups. And this one, if I remember correctly, is similar to Rekka with the amount of sprites it can display on the screen. Yeah, there's a lot going on. Um, I am impatiently waiting for my copy. Um, I My first order was canceled, but my second order went through and it's on the way because I paid for the shipping, but it's going to be a little bit before it arrives. Um but yeah, the I was reading something about it. I think it was Octane from Shmup Junkies Discord was, or somebody from Shmup Junkies Discord had done some analysis of the scoring, and um, they were saying something like, uh, most enemies, if you're hanging at the back of the screen, will give you around ten points per per kill. But then if you're point blanking or, and you're up toward the top or close proximity to enemies, then you get more like 100 points. And it, you know, it your score depends on your proximity. And so the game really rewards aggressive play from a scoring perspective. Um, so it's kind of an interesting system. But um, yeah, definitely one that I'm looking forward to to checking out. Um it's only getting a Famicom release at this point. And from what I understand, the dev has shared no plans of just selling the ROM online, which is not uncommon for Japanese devs because it's not really a thing over there like it is here. You know, here, people don't really think twice about emulation and flash carts and all this sort of stuff. I mean, we. We talk about the mister all the time, but um, over there, I think because of the licensing and the, the laws are uh, perhaps a bit more stringently enforced, um, you get you get a little bit more um, a little bit more insistence on having the genuine article. Yeah, that makes sense. Again, I love homebrew schmups. Purchased the um, oh, what the heck? I, I love it so much. I purchased and can't remember the name. So, <laughs> but I, I I purchased the uh, NES version of the uh, the Japanese. I'm trying to think of. Uh, it's not not Hybroxia. It's um, oh the one Herodius? that Herodius Zero. I purchased the. Uh, U.S. release of that and enjoyed it. It was 
having fun game and hoping that stuff like this gets poured over. If it did, if there's something like this did come west, it would almost have to come via uh, limited run games. I think they're the only people who have capacity to do this. Now, I'm not saying places that small indie shops there's infinite NES lives that could possibly do something like that. I, I know, I think that limited run was doing part of their, some of the stuff was from there, I think. If I remember correctly. But Limited Run Games was the only distributor that I know of, the Western distributor that was actively creating new NES games and selling. Right. But I could see something like this coming through Retrobit, and then you know it's selling through the usual outlets, Limited Run picking up, and then maybe through Castlemania or what have you. But yeah, Limited Run Games seems like the perfect sort of vehicle for this kind of thing in the West. I mean, has Retrobit done anything besides Genesis? Yeah, uh, they did. Uh, a while back, they did some Super Nintendo stuff. I mean, they did that. Um, they did that um, Super R Type and R Type Three compilation cart. Okay. They did the. Oh, did the um, the um, Ozzy Osbourne? Not Ozzy, but um, Holy <laughs> yeah. Diver. They did Holy Diver, and then they did the Metal Storm. Uh, yep. NES re-release, which I have. Yeah, uh, they definitely are doing a lot more. I mean, the majority of them are evolved in Genesis, but yeah, I wonder. Yeah. Well, we'll see. So, I mean, heck, I I will be the first to say that I am. I have a, probably like three or four different types of. Um, new NES games that I have purchased through Limited Run Games. I think I've received three of them. Three, like three out of six or 50%. There's such a long lead time on this stuff. I hear, I hear vinyl's worse, but... Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, let's just say I have a lot more hope on this than I do from anything from Dispatch. Ugh. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's see. Um... Well, speaking of, of uh, limited prints, uh, if you missed the Strictly Limited Games uh, reprint of Cotton 100% for the Super Nintendo, uh, Columbus Circle will be doing a Super Famicom reprint with new artwork. Yeah, there's definitely some sort of business or contractual relation between Columbus Circle and Strictly Limited Games. I noticed that a lot of their stuff gets... They, they are the go-to for Japanese stuff. They did the one for um, uh, Saramaru's game uh, that looks like it's getting a sequel. I'm lo- interested in that. Um, FX Unit Yuki. Yep. They did the Japanese release for that. They've done the one for uh, Shibuba Man. Yep. The Famicom one, the Satella V1. And I know they've done more, but... They they are the place that that does that type of stuff in Japan, and and you can say strictly limited games does it for Europe, and then here in the U.S. we have limited runs, so that makes sense. Yep. All right. A new horizontal, a new free horizontal shooter on Steam called Eventide has released on Steam uses a combo of old-school pixel graphics and high-res backgrounds, as well as modern effects. You can buy DLC to unlock all the ships and drones 
as a way to support the dev at, at the 199 and 499 levels. Well, this looks pretty, and I'll check it out. Yeah. Uh, there's a new horizontal shooter in development from Pixel called Asteria no Tsubasa, or Wings of Asteria. Uh, it will feature art from Shuzilo H.A., who did art for the Twinbee games, music from the Bandai Namco sound team, uh, who worked on Burning Force and Phileos, and the game has a very Greek mythology-centered theme. Uh, it was originally slated for a 2022 release, but does not appear to have uh, a release date uh, announced at this point. This looks very interesting. There's some YouTube footage of it, and it... Yeah, I mean, it, it sort of takes on that almost like a, a side-scrolling version or take on the Phileos idea, um, but with a very kind of I won't say shell cell shaded, but uh, manga, cartoon, anime style art uh, aesthetic, but maybe a bit more Western cartoon kind of look and feel to it. Interesting. Super Astrovade is out on Steam as of May 24, 2023, and is a dodge em up where you must avoid enemies and bullets and you have no weapons to fight back. <clears throat> Only a thruster can serve as a melee weapon to help keep some threats at bay. Now, uh, some people will call that the game of life. <laughs> uh, yes. As long as you're uh, as long as you're dodging uh you know, bullets and and uh, enemies, and not taxes. Uh, there's a new shooter in Alpha called Interstellar Sentinel from developer Dr. Bosky, uh, and there's a YouTube vi video with developer commentary on the game in progress. Uh, some of the graphics appear to be placeholders, and the music in the video might be a placeholder, but it does look promising. And uh, it's being made with the Shmup Creator tool. Well, the one thing I have learned out of all this is never discount games that are made using tools such as uh, Shmup Works on the Wii. And I know there's one on the Saturn, so a good game can come out of anywhere. Indeed. Uh, even uh, XYX. That's right. Red Art Games is releasing a physical of Shinrobi for Switch, PS4, and PS5. The Collector's Pink Edition is only available on Switch, but includes a CD, soundtrack, steelbook, and large poster. Yeah, yeah Red Art's another one that, that seems to be a dual uh, NA and EU, but it seems like their EU releases they print 7,000 copies of, and then the US version is 2,000. Right. Yeah, this Still, one. Will, I'm looking forward to it. This one will be interesting. I uh, I picked up Shino Ruby on Steam here a while back, and somewhat recently I was just messing around with it um, because I realized I hadn't played it yet. And one of the complaints that I had when we covered Jamestown was the whole 16 by 9 vertizontal thing, and I felt like maybe Jamestown didn't quite nail that that uh, formula very well. 
I feel like Shino Ruby does it better. Your ship movement speed, generally speaking, is uh, snappier, and because the sprites are a lot larger and and everything is is a bit more zoomed in, it it's more like the sort of larger scale thing that you would get with something like Steel Vampire, but in a full 16 by 9 aspect ratio. Um, so I feel like it works better than than uh, than Jamestown did. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of response this this gets over time. Yeah, uh, Shino Ruby is one that reminds me a lot of the third um, the, um, SDOJ with its art style. You know, bright and colorful. There's a lot of pinks and greens. I, I've been some of the, the complaints I've heard about is, is that it, it, things appear maybe a little bit too visually similar stage after stage. So I, I'm interested to see to try this one and see how it is. I'm very happy it's getting a physical release, but I don't know if this one is this gonna stick with us and be a game that is played as much as SDOJ. Yeah. I would be very curious to hear your thoughts on this one after you get a chance to play it. Oh, you may be waiting a little bit here. I'm still stuck in uh, R-Type Vinyl. <laughs> uh, developer Yoshin has released version 1.10 of Choren Shaw 68K for the Sharp X68000 computer. Uh, it adds a super rapid shot, among other tweaks. Uh, there's no word on whether this update will be ported to the Windows version of the game. But this is wild to me. Uh, this this freeware game that came out so many years ago on the Sharp X68000. And now, out of nowhere, there's an update for it. Well over a decade, probably, after... Um, after the yeah well over a decade after the windows version came out i'll just leave a pause here so you can edit me out and put in wise from your grave <laughs> ng dev team did another physical run of razion ex collector's edition which went on sale on june 17th but appears to have sold through already i'm glad that they're doing more reprints of this this NG Dev Team, I mean, I realized that they were doing physicals and they were hesitant to put them on the eShop, but I'm glad they're putting stuff on the eShop and they're doing more physicals as more people should play the games. And I, what was it up to? It was up to like $250, $300 last I checked. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah, and it's just, I, I don't know what, what it was. Nobody seemed to want Gunlord, at least for a little bit on there. You had the collectors on it. But that, that took a while to sell through. But yeah. Razion, that sold through quick. Oh, yeah. Everybody wanted Razion. And I wonder if the whatever they're working on, on next is going to get the same treatment. Personally, I like to see Krautbusters get moved on. And I like to see some of the rest of the stuff on there. I like to see uh, Pink Bullets. Uh, oh, Last Hope. Last Hope, Pink Bullets come through. 
like to see another stuff, but Krautbuster seems to be a really good game. I like to see that come off of the Neo Geo itself. Sure. And, and get poured to the Switch. I, I uh, Neo XYX, well, that, that can just stay on the Dreamcast and the MVS. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, it's not that there is anything wrong with Neo XYX. I have it on the Dreamcast, but you almost need chat GPT in order to help you beat the game. <laughs> there's there's a joke around that it was created created for robots. Oh right, it is hard. Danmaku Unlimited Three has come to PlayStation Four. It released through Doragon Entertainment on June thirteenth, twenty twenty three. Yeah, Danmaku Unlimited Three is definitely a. Did we cover that one? I don't remember now. No, we haven't covered it yet, but I would like to. Um, and of course, this got a physical on the Switch here mm-hmm. a couple of years ago from Limited Run Games. Um, so I'd be curious to know if they pick up this one to release it on um, on PS4 as well. Well, if it's anything like Jamestown, the answer is yes. But I, I imagine that they waited so long so that way they could put on Mark MSX's recommendation. You know, Electric Underground approved on the art for, cover art for the game. <laughs> yeah. Now, I, I bought this on I bought the physical and I bought this on the eShop, and I bought it on Steam. It's a really good game. Yeah, I, I definitely want to cover this one uh, at some point. Agreed. Twenty twenty four maybe. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, Radigy 2 is now slated for winter 2023 release on PS4, PS5, and Switch from RS34. Wow. Have, have we finally looped Dispatch games at this point? I think we will by the time Radigy 2 comes out. We've almost done it. Yeah. A uh, new shooting game, Nova Strike, is coming from Sonic Games, uh, which is a joint French and Taiwanese developer, and has been rated in Taiwan for PS5, Xbox Series, and Nintendo Switch. Uh, no release date is known at this time, and that's literally all I know about it. I saw a thing that mentioned the game. There's, If you go to their website, there's a little bit of key art on the banner at the top, but there's not even any information on their website yet for this game. So I have a feeling that it's still early. Oh, I, I love the about on here. It, it says, in command of your red spaceship, fl- fight across three intense chapters to destroy the three bosses of the evil army in this vertical side-scrolling shoot-em-up. Grab sub-weapons on the way and customize your ship with chips that give new skills. Don't worry if you are taken down. You'll be able to come back after buying and equipping permanent chips. Huh. So th- this this almost seems to me like a roguelite. Could be, or it could be uh, somewhat Euro shmuppy. <laughs> I thought it was a Euro shmuppy. We're all shmuppy. Everybody shmuppy. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yep. Uh, uh, well, you know I joke all the time, but hopefully this is something that's good on here. Again, shmup, inspiration for shmups can come from anywhere, and 
for something first people people who create them i i know you put your heart and souls into it and we'll definitely love to try anything new because you never know where the next great uh shmup will come from true Prolific Dojin developer Zakichi has released Wuxum Mexum, a vertically scrolling 2D shooter. You're going to just kill me with all these pronunciations this episode, <laughs> aren't you? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what Zakichi was thinking with this one. But yeah, Wexu Mexum. I mean, I'm surprised you just you just didn't say uh, that 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 he's released the Tex Mexum shoot him up. No, that's coming. For, that's part of the DLC. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, Zakichi stuff is good, and uh, they're all available on itch.io, and uh, they're all free. So you have no excuse to not go download it. As soon as they put in text maximum. <laughs> there you go. Signy All Guns Blazing is available for pre-order on Amazon at $39.99 and there's a new trailer available on YouTube. And uh, this is the this is the very flashy high visual style shoot 'em up that Konami is publishing. Um and I'll be curious to see how this does. I don't it's only available on PS5, I think. Nope. It's What's also that? on Steam. It's on Steam. Well, okay, but console-wise. Oh, sure, sure, sure. I think it's only going to be on PS5 for now. Um, at least the physical. But yeah, uh, I'll be curious to see how this how this does. I think a lot of people are wondering, um, with Konami behind this, what what's going to come of it, or... You know, if there's any possibility that they might go back to the well and give us Gradius 6 or something like that. I'm not sure I see that ever happening, but it is kind of cool to see that at least they're they're uh, doing something with the genre again, even if it's just publishing someone else's developed work. Yeah, and it's nice to see them expanding out again. And we talked about this earlier, Konami is becoming more than pachinko machines. They are actually interested in games again yeah yeah looking at the pc specs for us yeah you're right this graphics gtx 964 gigs which you know most people have some on here but for a shmup this is a pretty high spec yeah maybe maybe they have to put that in there so that way you don't get slowed down on the bullets huh but look at this there is definitely a lot of flashiness going on and, and I, I wonder if how much of that is going to translate into the gameplay too where too much flashiness can become a distraction yeah uh, that's why I'm curious to see how this does with the hardcore crowd versus the casual crowd well you almost have to hit the hardcore crowd if you think about this if this just is coming out to the PS5 in Steam, yeah, you can get a little bit of a following within Steam, but if you're going to put it on the PS5, what are you talking, $70 per game? 
That's a lot to fork over. Well, the Amazon pre-order is only for 40 bucks, though, so... Oh, okay, so I'm, they're not I'm, charging full price. I'm guessing they know their target market. Well, maybe. They might have a shot if it's 40 Yeah. We talked about this earlier, but Limited Run Games has announced a delay for the physical version of Radiant Silver Gun, <laughs> so that way they can spend more time playing it. <laughs> Limited Run Games has announced a delay for the physical version of Radiant Silvergun so that the game cards can include the new chiptune arrangement of the soundtrack on board instead of having to download it. I think it's still scheduled for like quarter four 2023, right? Yeah, it's either Q3 or Q4. Yeah, it's coming soon. They're just delaying so they can add more stuff to it. Oh, darn. Yeah, but I think this is a good a good reason to delay it because they're they're actually giving you more. So, uh, I'm not opposed to that. Why do I get that picture of that cat meme where, where the cat's just uh, trying to meow and it's got his mouth really open and it says, more! <laughs> yeah. Uh, Taito Arcade Shooter Mega Blast has released via Arcade Archives as of mid-June. Uh, this is one of those that, speaking of... Uh, I guess going back to our question of the month, speaking of games that were stuck on a particular platform, this was only in the arcades, and I think it was on one of the Taito Memories collection in Japan, but didn't end up on the Taito Legends collections in uh, US or Europe. And so, um, it's a bit of a curiosity. I, I don't think it's among Taito's best, certainly, but Still kind of cool that they are bringing it forward with the Arcade Archives line. Yeah. Uh, Protocorgi has released on Steam of June 15th, 2023. You play as Bullet, the cybernet Corgi, bent on rescuing his owner who was kidnapped by aliens. Yeah, I, I have this game. I haven't had a chance to try it yet. I'm sorry. As I am trying to play so many games right now concurrently, and it's I am... They're all muddling together. I'm playing uh, Zelda, TikTok of the Kingdom. Uh, there, I'm playing uh, Dead Island 2. There, I played Radical Dreamer, Gun Vane. <laughs> Play, what the heck am I playing? Oh, playing uh, Cotton Fantasy on the PS4. There, it seems like every single system I've got something going on right now. You know, woe is me, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> adulting problems but there's just so much going on that I I need more time in order to do this you know adulting one out of ten stars would not recommend yeah apparently though this has been uh, relatively well received I'll try moving it up so that way I can report a little bit on it the last any uh, mentioned that I, I did like uh, like Dreamer that was a lot of fun, and I definitely I, I really loved the twin stick shooter of um, whose name I cannot remember. No, uh, uh, Nightmare Before Christmas. What was that thing again? Oh, Never Awake. Yeah, I, I definitely loved Never Awake and Trent. So I'm I'm always up for trying. Uh, new stuff is just trying to find the time to do it. So I'll, I'll report back what I think of it for the next episode. Sounds good. Uh, for those who missed out on the limited run games physical pre-order for Dodonpachi Resurrection, 
Super Deluxe Games in Japan will also be doing a physical. I think I might have to pick this up just to say, hey, bring more Dodonpachi. I don't care what it is, bring out physical. Let's get SDOJ going. <sighs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm waiting on my on my uh, DDP Res pre-order from Limited Run Games, and I have the DDP Res 360 European version from Rising Star Games as well. So I'm probably not going to triple dip on this one. I feel like I'm the only person who has a limited run copy of uh, DDP Res. I swear everyone says that they're waiting on theirs. Maybe it's because they ordered the standard instead of the collectors. Probably, yeah. A new shooter in Devoltra has released on Steam as of June 15, 2023. This has a retro pixel graphics look in any style music. It's very fast and frantic, and I tried this in as sort of mixed feelings. I know you tried it as well. Yeah. What are I, your thoughts on this? My first impressions of this were not amazing. Um, it looks good. It sounds good. I like the, the music that plays, but boy, some of the graphics are are difficult because it, it, it has this weird thing where you, with vertical shoot-em-ups, a lot of times you don't have environmental hazards like you do in horizontal shoot-em-ups. It, that doesn't mean it never happens, um, but it's less common. Uh, but in this game, you have them, and the way the graphics are done, it's not always very obvious what those hazards are. So you'll be going along, and something will look like a background, but you'll crash into it. Uh, so it's kind of annoying in that sense. And also... Um, I feel like there are some fairly cheap moments when I was playing, even in early game. So, yeah, I, I might have to put a little bit more time into it, but initially I was not thrilled by it, I guess. Yeah, I need to put in more time as well, but yeah, I'm, I know some of the parts where you think it's it looks like a wall, but then it hits you. You sort of get that... Um, <laughs> like early Grega effect where it's really hard to differentiate what the heck is going on, especially with the bullets is the, you know, the, the Grega had, had those silver or sorry, like gray bullets that made it incredibly hard to see. And yeah. it just, yeah, it's the same effect. We had some problems too, where there was some, there's a pink background. I think it was stage two of Ghostblade. And some of the bullets would blend in with the background, which made it very hard to see. So it's not just them, but it, it, it really makes it hard for the player to visually read. And that was some of the complaints that I also saw with the title that was mentioned earlier, Shinrobi. Was a lot of, sometimes it was really hard to read with patterns, and they would get stuck between that and some of the other art assets. Right. That'll be interesting. We'll, we'll keep trying out and give a report. Yep. Uh, Yuzo Koshiro's forthcoming Mega Drive shooter now officially has a name. Uh, it's called Earthion. And uh, I am I am excited about this game. 
Um, I mean, the fact that we're getting that we're getting two forthcoming uh, Genesis or Mega Drive shooters, Earthion and ZPF, is music to my ears. I haven't heard anything on ZPF. I mean, it looks amazing, but I have not heard any updates since like maybe mid or late 2020 on that game. Well, there was an update that came out late last year, and they were saying that they were close to being ready to to do the Kickstarter campaign for it. Uh, so, I'm hoping I'm that hoping. I'm hoping we see that soon. I'm hoping we do too. Uh, Yu Suzuki's uh, shooter, Air Twister, which has been on Apple Arcade, is coming to consoles. Looks like it takes heavy inspiration from Space Harrier and Panzer Dragoon. More details to come, but in games will be handled in Western release. Oh, that's uh, strictly limited for those of you who don't know. But because it's in it means it's going to be widely available. Speaking of which, um, isn't uh, Rays coming out? No, that was delayed a little bit, wasn't it? Rays is yeah. supposed to be coming out right now. Yep. But in, yeah. I read uh, Yu Suzuki, and I almost read it as Yuji Naka, but uh, Yuji Naka's got other problems coming up there. Yeah. He, he's going to appear in court, and he's going to have to admit to the world that, yes, he didn't create Ball in Wonderland. <laughs> uh, Attack of the Karens is a pixel graphics horizontal shooter slated for release in Q3 of 2023. It has a limited color palette design and uh, voices in-game. Oh boy, sign of the times. <laughs> sign of the times. Indeed. Uh, the Art of uh, Flight has a Steam page and is forthcoming shooter focused on flying multiple ships at once. Coming from Adol Games. I think someone decided that they would take the... Uh, the two-player challenge of Ikaruga and make a game out of it. Well, this reminds me a little bit of um, Shoot One Up from Mommy's Best Games, but with a, a, a little bit of a different approach. I will definitely take, take a look when it comes out, and I will ma- make some time... Uh-huh. All, all I need is someone else to handle all my adulting, so <laughs> Guru, you'll be able to do that for me. Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, Shape Shifter is slated for release on Steam on July 17th from Jorge T. Vargas and is a retro-inspired arena shooter where you control different spaceships. Arena shooters can be a lot of fun. There, I'm trying to think... what. The closest one that I, I remember, what, well, we're talking about like twin stick arena shooters such as, you know, uh, Robotron or Smash TV, or, uh, or you, you've got your sort of your modern ones such as Binding of Isaac. Is it something similar to that? Well, no, this, uh, this is very, I guess, Geometry Wars in some ways. Oh, okay. Yeah, it sort of has that line art, vector graphics sort of look. There's another one that I wonder if it will be ported or coming. I mean, it was ported to the Wii and the DS, but it started out as a 360, right? I wonder if Microsoft would, now that they they all get those rights back from, well, 
it was it was went to what bizarre creations was the ones who did that if i remember correctly there a microsoft studio but then the publishing was done for the wii and the ds ports was done by sierra which is under the activision label so if the deal goes through i wonder if we'll get they control the full rights to geometry wars and we get something similar on the uh, series x or, or or just a new game in the series the last game that even came close to that was what uh tempest 3000 Oh, yeah, something like that, or Tempest 4000. Oh, 4000, yeah. Well, what was the new one version of the 3000? I forget now. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Star Salvager is a forthcoming game that looks like an odd combination of Space Invaders, Arkanoid, and Tetris. It's available now via Early Access, and the full release is coming soon. You have me a Tetris. <laughs> You know, there is the uh, Taito um, Space Invaders for the PS4, the collection that came out not too long ago. Uh-huh. There, there is a game on it that plays very similar to uh, Arkanoid on there with it combines the Space Invaders and Arkanoid. That's pretty fun to use. And you use the uh, touchpad on the PS4 controller in order to control the paddle. Oh, neat. It's a lot of fun. I don't think it's more than like 20 bucks now to pick up the Space Invaders, so it's definitely worth a try. I don't think it has Space Invaders... Um, what's the, the one that came out on the 360? Uh, Space Invaders for Infinite, was it? Oh, Infinity Gene? Infinity the one that has the uh, the nano machines. Or the, yeah, the I think nanobites. that's Infinity Gene. Yeah. It doesn't have that one, but it has, it has all sorts of different takes, so it's definitely worth picking up if you can find it from the cheap. Alright, uh, Tatsujin Company will be at TGS 2023. Word is they'll be developing a new game. Well, my guess is it's probably going to be a solitaire game with the name Tatsujin Company, right? Huh. <laughs> no. Uh, it, uh, speaking of Tatsujin, I heard that um, Mark is back from outer space. Yes, he's back. So maybe he'll be the spokesperson for. He'll be wearing wearing <laughs> wearing the T-shirt this time around. It says it's it's pr- pronounced Tatsujin and have a little bomb, the infamous bomb icon. Yeah, classic game room is back. That they are. No, I, 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 odds are very good that it's going to be a shmup, and it's probably it might be like a remake of. You recently received. Um, the sort of M2 joke that turned into a full game collector's edition recently, right? The uh, Soul Cresta? Uh-huh. So I wonder if it will be something similar to that, right? Like a third vert. So we have Tatsujin, Tatsujin O, and then this will be uh, well, not, not saying Tatsujin O, no, but um, Tatsujin San or Tatsujin 3. Yeah, it'd be interesting if they if they went that route. That would be a nice thing for like a Proteus or a parody type game from Tatsujin, right? Tatsujin, oh no. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, the indie game Monolith is renaming and consolidating its DLC into a single new release under the new title Star of Providence, which is apparently due to rights issues over the name Monolith which had been previously trademarked by Warner Brothers in 2015. 
uh, as of right now, it still shows up as Monolith on Steam, but I guess this is something that they've announced they're doing. That makes sense. You don't want to get into any legal battles, especially with a company as large as Warner Brothers. Exactly. I mean, there was a guy who was suing people left and right for ages. In fact, I think that was his primary source of income for uh, scroll. the word scrolls, I think. It's scrolls in game or gaming. And it, it finally, I think he went after Elder Scrolls or something like that, and then he got his butt handed to him. But he was suing everybody who had the... Well, there, I'm sure you can Google it and uh, find more information. Oh. Yeah, any, uh, avoid litigi- litigious companies uh, as much as you can. For sure. Cyber Mission is a forthcoming 2D horizontal shooter from Game Energy Studio that appears to take heavy inspiration from any shooter or scat. And we'll have a two-player mode. Yeah, scat is one of those games that I've always looked like I haven't had a try- chance to try, so maybe we'll do it for... Sometime in 2024. I know Limited Runs did a re-release on it. Yeah. yeah. But what what is the Japanese name of it? It's not Scat. No, I think it's called uh, Final Mission. Yes. Some, something that's a lot easier than uh, Toilet Humor in the West. I mean, everybody loves a good poop joke, right? Well, especially the Japanese on there, you know, you keep this up, and then we're going to be covering Toilet Kids. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, Beyond Solar is a forthcoming vertizontal shmup from Core Game Technology Solutions. No release date has been announced, but the game can be wishlisted on Steam. Nice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Brotato, which has been on Steam Early Access since September 2022, is finally getting its official 1.0 release. I forgot about this. Wasn't this a um, a roguelite shooter, a twin-stick shooter? Is that right? Yep. Where you play as a Rambo-looking uh, potato? Yep. And yep. Uh, the it's got the uh, cartoony art style similar to something like The Binding of Isaac. Uh, Ayako's Mission is out now on Steam and is a vertical 2D scrolling shooter with a retro look and style and is currently on sale for 59 cents. Very nice. Uh, Vampire Survivors has been confirmed for Nintendo Switch and is due out sometime this year. (laughs) Vampire Survivors looks like a fun game that we could probably do in like a December type playthrough. It's got enough popularity, but it looks like it doesn't take up enough, as much time as your usual schmop. So I would like to fit this into a December in the upcoming years. Sure. Uh, Atari has announced Quantum Recharged for all modern platforms for 2023. Now, what's a... What is a modern platform for Atari at this point in time? Is it the 2600? Because that feels that's what that's what the games are getting developed for. I just saw a headline that Mist came out to the 2600. I know. That's crazy. 
Please don't tell me it's a Jaguar and I need to do the math. <laughs> Shmup Creator has been updated to version 1.4. I'm not sure what the changes are, but always nice to see that the tool set is getting updated. I, there's been several quality Shmups that have come out of Shmup Creator, so it's always good to see them adding new options. Yeah. And uh, we did mention this before, but Retrobit is releasing the uh, uh, licensed reproduction of the Sega Genesis game Soul Feast, or excuse me, Soul Dece. Uh, Castlemania games and limited run games will be handling distribution as well. I, I misspoke yeah. earlier because Soul Feast is the Sega CD release, yep. which was a pack-in title for the Sega CD here in, in North America with the Model 1. But then Soul Dece is the later cartridge release that had uh, the cinematic stuff taken out and had a chiptune soundtrack instead of the original. Yep. Uh, it seems like it's been a, a renovation renaissance, right? With the way that they're going. We had a Guy Aries uh, reprint on here. We had stuff developed within uh, Valis that came out recently. The re that now we are getting Soldis. Uh, and what were some of the other games that they did? Oh, yeah. Final Zone 2. Oh. Oh. <laughs> and uh, the Telenet Shooting Collection release that uh, came out in Japan here recently, or it's either it either came out or it's coming out. It has Gyrus and Granada, for the, the Mega Drive, and then Avenger and... Um, is it Psychic Storm or something like that? Psychic, uh, one of those I don't remember. Um, for the PC Engine. Nice. I'm glad to see that got a release. I may have to grab that as well. Watch it the same the same day it arrives as the same day that they announce it on physical yeah, for our Western release. Uh, yeah. I was I was like, cool, Kai Katana. I'm gonna get on that. Like, then I missed out, and then like, the next day. Here it is from Limited Run Games. Oh, right. And, uh, the other game that I think we mentioned already, rather, but uh, that Retrobed is doing is El Viento, which was a little bit of a sleeper hit, but it's certainly gone up. I mean, if they decide to publish Ernest Evans, I'm out, but uh, <laughs> El Viento I'll go with. All right. A new surreal bullet hell shmup called No Schwartz is coming to Steam from WinFox. What makes it surreal? Uh, I'm not 100% sure. I'm just trying to go based on what I've seen. In All terms right, of then. announcements. Um, Akai Katana Shin is officially available in Europe and North America on Switch, PS4, and Xbox on digital marketplaces. Nice. Yeah, Katana Shin is... I mentioned it was out for Limp Drawing Games and it's come out on... Well, it's freely available in Japan. So, uh, definitely one I am looking forward to there. If I were to play it, though, I think I'd play it on the PS4. I think the Switch version has a, a little bit more slowdown than is uh, acceptable. Am I right on that? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure.
you know what I would also like to see ported over to the Switch <laughs> for our question of the month? Super XYX. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> and you know who would be really good to help us play Super XYX? Spiders, a roguish ham, Corkman 77, Super Goat, Dingo, well, Dingo tried, so we'll give him half credit. SPM, Schlarp, and A. Creighton. <laughs> All right. So let's uh, let's dive into our game for the month that we played, which, of course, was uh, Super XYX, or as I've been told, is actually pronounced Super Zykes. And this was developed and published by Team Grybanser Fox on August 10th, 2020. Uh, Team Grybanser Fox started in 2014 and uh, exclusively, so far, makes shoot 'em up games. Their first release was Xeno Hell in 2015, and other releases include Xenodyne R, and then the final game in that trilogy, Xeno Death as well as Fire Arrow Plus and Jet Buster. And they are also the team working on the forthcoming shooting game Chronoblast Maximum, which, at least according to the screenshots on the Steam wishlist page, looks pretty sweet. Uh, the game concept is an extension of an earlier game developed by Roserg, uh, formerly known as Gryzor, and uh, that early release was just called XYX, uh, which was developed in 2011. Now, Rosar has got to start on with the the Wii uh, Blastworks. No, was it Blastworks or Schmutworks? I'm trying to think of the exact name of it. Blastworks, yeah. And the Blastworks on there. And he's, he switched in there, but from what I understand, all of his titles were made almost incomprehensible. You know, it, it, where where people, no matter which way you say it seems correct, and he did that on purpose just to laugh at people's pronunciation. So if he's listening, he's certainly come to the right place to hear people mispronounce stuff. <laughs> okay, there you go. <laughs> um, but now Roserg's first collaboration with NG Dev Team was uh, providing some art for Gunlord. Um... And then the ideas behind XYX were later used in collaboration with NG Dev Team to make the Neo Geo game Neo XYX, uh, but the game wasn't quite a fully realized version of uh, Rorzerg's vision for the game. That's because they didn't want any fantasy elements. They wanted all futuristic. So everything changed to cyborgs and stuff. That's why he doesn't consider it the different version. In fact, they Stage 7, was it, or Stage 6, with the dragons, the twin dragon heads? Mm -hmm. That was cut out, and he really wanted that in. <laughs> so that that's not, that was cut out of Neo XYX. And we also mentioned, too, that the they went beyond the aesthetics of the cyborgs and the futuristic place where only, to the gameplay itself, where only machines can beat that game. <laughs> but, but that... But, but that... Yeah, Neo, it's so funny too because Neo XYX to get an MVS for it, it costs you, you know, 
anywhere from a thirteen hundred to eighteen hundred dollars, depending on what you want for the kit. And by kit in MVS, that means like stickers, basically the stuff that originally came with it. Do you want just a cart, or do you want the, everything that came with? Which would be the artwork, the flyers, the mini marquee, all that stuff. For that, you're looking up about two thousand dollars. Now, if you want the Dreamcast version, you can find it. You're co- probably going to cost you between a hundred to maybe three hundred dollars. For that, which just seems like a crazy value proposition because you can go on Steam or you can go on itch.io and you can get Super XYX for 10 bucks. Yeah. Um, you get the better game for 10 bucks. It's not physical, but it's de- at least in my opinion, and I think most people would agree that it's the better game. Right. Uh, so then Super Zykes became a project of Team Grabancer Fox to allow for the original vision to come to fruition. Uh, and the game was handled by both Roserg and Kaiser from Team Grabancer Fox. And then the soundtrack was commissioned from Karina. Yeah, and Karina d- did a homage to uh, XY, the original XYX because the first stage is a remix theme of uh, the original the first stage in Super XYX is a remix theme from XYX oh oh neat uh, Roserg's main influences coming into game development were toll plan games such as Truxton Twin Cobra and Fire Shark as well as Superstar Soldier Soldier Blade Gate of Thunder and Lords of Thunder on the Turbo Graphics. And Roserg also mentioned in an interview uh, of taking inspiration from Llamasoft games. Yep, and, and for those of you who don't remember that, those are Jeff Minter games. Yes. <laughs> like Tempest 2000, uh, Tempest... I'm not sure if we did Tempest 3000. Maybe that was a new one. one. I, I'm a little bit hazy on that. <laughs> the the other part where which I don't think we have in here where it takes influence from is Tyrion. Yes. And Tyrion 2000. It's sort of funnily joke that Super XYX is a Amiga slash PC looking game that plays like a compile game. It sounds like a Genesis game. <laughs> and takes influence and somewhere looks like a Topline game. Right. And it's sort of weird. I'm like, what if we call this? I was talking about this Mark MSX and we can't really come up with a name for this stuff. It's not Damaku, but it's not your uh, old school shmup on the air, right? It's not a classic shmup. And the closest thing I think you could put it for is a manic shooter, right? Where, where the bullets come flying at you fast enough, but it's, it's not quite to where you have a small hitbox and you're dodging everything effect yet. And some people would say that Batsugun uh falls in, in the, I almost said Batrider, gee, it's earlier <laughs> problem. Our bats, bats again falls along this line and was the first manic shooter. Right. So uh, Maybe they'll be electric. He said he was going to check with um, uh, um, Bog Hog. I, for some reason I keep wanting to call him Boss Hog, but uh, <laughs> he was going to check with Bog Hog and uh, they might have something to come with this. His bog hog seems to have some of the, at least in my opinion, some of the best ideas for how to make a fun shmup and how to 
develop something correctly so that way the player feels engaged. I mean, heck, he made Gunbane. He, 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 he certainly has a body of work standing behind him showing that he knows what he's talking about. Right. Yeah, now currently Super Zykes is stuck on PC because according to what I read, it was developed in an earlier version of Game Maker Studio. So in order for it to be ported elsewhere, it would have to be brought forward and updated into a new version of GMS in order to have any any possibility of being moved around or ported somewhere. Which is a bit of a shame because the it definitely caused, I should say, it was noted for a couple of different people playing this, and it was noted in the reviews as well, that this game, for some reason, is pretty beefy on the hardware requirements, more so than you would think. And Mark mentioned that he had some problems where he couldn't capture and play the game on the same PC. Oh, wow. Now, to be fair... We've been we've been on conversations where we've had Mark on the podcast and Firefox has crashed his PC, so I don't really know. <laughs> right. Um, oh, and uh, Roserg is also contributing art to uh, the aforementioned forthcoming Mega Drive and Genesis shooters ZPF. Yeah, it, it's got. If I remember correctly, it's got a very um, Geiger-esque look. Right, it reminds me a lot of the earlier R type. Yeah. Uh, Dev- Sorry, go ahead. And of course, the as with many shmup games, the story is uh, is very silly. But I love it when they're over overly dramatic, like this. The evil Zyxian world eaters have attacked. Fly and fight them, even as they overtake United Earth's. Rapid diminish, rapidly diminishing defense forces. Our own weapons will surely be turned against us in this desperate battle for the survival of humanity. Don't let us down. We must win. UEF Intelligence Report. The Zyxians are a complete mystery to us even now. All we know is they hail from, a f- from far away in deep space. Another galaxy? Perhaps. Or perhaps from even further. One rumor suggests they were birthed from a powerful AI, maybe even one made by humans long ago, but that is not certain. What is certain is their amazing ability to overtake, infect technology, and use it freely towards their own mysterious aims. This threat must be wiped out utterly. Oh, there we go. We're foreshadowing chat GPT again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, there, there was this thing I saw recently, I think I shared it with you, where people are always talking, oh, AI's going to overtake. And then there was a soccer game recently where where the, <laughs> the AI mistakenly uh, confused a referee's balding head with a soccer ball and followed it for the entire game. Yep. We just need a uh, shmup GPT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, this is pretty fun. And, and the whole thing's over the top. If I remember correctly, uh, I'm not sure if it was uh, XYX or Zizix, but the uh, one of his earlier games was all female protagonist. And, and it, 
and, and it, was, it was very much this you know, overly. It wasn't quite to the point of Dragon's Crown, if everyone remembers, but the, the overdone, over the way over the top art in Dragon's Crown. Oh yeah, <laughs> but it, it was an all female crew, and in here it seems like they have turned this in. It's gone the other direction in full Choaniki Cho- or Choaniki here, <laughs> as we're talking about with some of the characters. But it's sort of where that's thrown in there. And one of the characters in here is from, I think it's from Team Gray, uh, the Team Fox. Oh yeah, if I'm correct, right? And then. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, inspiration is definitely coming from everywhere, but I, I think one of the characters is pulled from there. The Green Knight is certainly the uh, Cho and Niki character on there, and even in the um, the caravan level, uh, not really a boss rush, but it, in the caravan level, we'll talk about, uh, there's a... <laughs> sort of like the, the angel, quote-unquote, from the credits is dropping in stuff. Right. All, all the stuff on... There, and I wish that I, I had a chance to play the earlier version. I, mean, ver- I think it's like version 1.0 or maybe 1.5, but somewhere along the way, along with all the stuff that that angel dropped, which were like hot dogs, hamburgers, and you know cartridges, Nintendo cartridges, there's the sprites that were in there for pornography magazines. Oh my. Yeah, for male, female, you know, it was there. And he was dropping these, and you pick them up for extra points. <laughs> but in the versions, I think probably by the time it hit retail, I'm not certain what point, but it was dropped. I know they exist, because if you look at Shmup Junkie's video on there, he's got those art assets from the developer. Oh, yeah. Oh. Interesting. Yeah, I'm sure it's probably not the first shmup where you're collecting porno mags in order to uh, gain extra points. Huh. It's definitely not the first video game, because Leisure Suit Larry, I'm sure, has that covered. Oh, that's true. All right. So, from moving on here, let's talk a little about gameplay. There are four main buttons in the game. Shot, bomb, focus, and option. Shot, you hold down for rapid shot or tap for, for your desired frequency of fire. Bomb drops a bomb which varies by your ship type. Focus slows down your ship speed. Option changes the formation of your ships. Op- sorry, your ship's options once you've acquired some. So the focus itself is it's not what you normally play with game where you go into focus fire it's sort of like a hitting the brakes or slowing down in the options menu you can select speeds from one to four and i tried three and three was pretty hard to navigate but it felt like that's what i should be trying to speed up to two felt will probably feel okay to most people but one i think is the default and the slowest if you hit four, you end up with Spaceballs' ludicrous speed. <laughs> then your ship just zips zips around like a mosquito on crack. Oh my! <laughs> uh, or co- cocaine mosquito coming to a theater near you in 2025. Oh wow! <laughs> Apparently, we're going to N- N- NSFW here. 
<laughs> but it, it, it's made to give you two different options, you know, firing. But you, there is no concentrated shot in this game. I think the best way to approach this is to think of this as a caravan shooter. As soon as something gets on, shows up on screen, you want to destroy it as soon as possible. And in order to minimize bullets. And the other interesting point about the gameplay is you can sort of s sit on top of the enemy, right? There's no sprite collision. I know in other plays like Under Defeat, you could sort of sit close to them so that way they won't fire. <clears throat> but with this game, you're encouraged to and can really cheese some of the bosses once you figure out that you can just sort of sit on top of them, right? I mean, you experience this too. We were sort of joking about it in Dryest. Uh, driest twin for the Super Nintendo that there are safe spots. Mm -hmm. And there's definitely safe spots for the boss, which could be a detriment or could just be sort of a, a neat little gotcha moment once you figure them out. You, the, For example, the uh, second stage boss, the tanks, they look really intimidating until you realize you just sit on top of them and fire away mm -hmm. and destroy them really, really fast. They're almost a joke once you figure that out. Yep. And in the stage one boss, it can be sort of a pain, but once you realize there's no collision, you can just get up there on the upper left-hand side, destroy the <laughs> part that rains down the little uh, little lasers, I guess is the closest I can come. <laughs> the branching lasers, vein lasers, they will, and then it makes the whole fight so much easier. Each each one of these bosses has these little tricks or gotchas or safe spots, I, except for maybe the TLB. I'm not sure the TLB has it. Hmm. Now, some of the bosses definitely do have collision points, though. Like the first stage boss, the back of it is is its collision, so you can't you can't go back too far, or you will run into it with your hitbox. Um, so, yeah, but by by and large, most of the enemies you can sit right on top of. Right. Yeah. There's there's a there's a lot of flexibility where that's concerned. Yeah. The, and the game doesn't necessarily tell you this. You just sort of have to find out on your own. Mm hmm. Sorry. The the other part of this too, and this was brought up by Mark MSX in his release, is stage one. There's a. Density for stage one to become sort of the tutorial stage. We're going to teach you all about some of the mechanics. And after you go through it a couple of times, you're really, really bored. And I think that the Gunvane does a great job with this. And so does uh, Super XYX. Yeah, I'll, I'll pronounce it however I want. But <laughs> I, I think that uh, Super XYX also does a great job where if... If you're not paying attention, you can be destroyed within three seconds in this game. Because the bullets come at you at such a fast pace. Yeah, so they do. It, it feels less like a tutorial, but more like a full extension of the game. And, and, and that, that really impressed me. As a, as a same month I'm playing here, uh, R-Type Final, and the, the first stage itself just... Oh, so plodding. I, I, you know, I, uh, sorry, I, I don't mean to, I, I do like R-Type Final, but it, the first stage in particular feels like I'm waiting at the DMV. 
Well, we can we can uh, belabor that point uh, next recording. Yeah, I'll need some extra coffee for that recording. <laughs> so, so it, it, as mentioned, it, it really lets you play with the hitbox and the top of the enemies. It really is about speed and <clears throat> get destroying enemies as soon as they are. It, it's almost like the game itself is one long caravan stage, right? You want in order to keep going, you want to destroy enemies as soon as possible to minimize the amount of bullets on the screen. And that way, it sort of is like Amaku. And it sort of fits that manic description we talked about earlier. The other part about this game is dying is bad. Some people are sort of joking, thinking dying's bad. Okay, really? And it's up? You don't say. You know, Gradius gave me PTSD, and I'm, I still have that. Well, this game does, in some ways, prioritize giving, you know, I'm telling you not to use bombs and thing, but the penalty for dying is so much larger than using a bomb, and it's always more beneficial to bomb. Yes. <clears throat> Excuse me. If you die, your power level is, was it cut in half? No, you you go by you go down by one power level when you die. When you, well, no, it kills your chain. I don't think that bombing kills your chaining. Is that correct? Correct. Yeah, so, it, and the only thing you're going to lose upon is some points at the end of the stage. Whereas if if you die, you're going to go down a power level. It's going to be harder to get back up. It's it's just definitely not worth it to do so. And the other part of the scoring in here, which we'll get into a little bit later, but I thought it was pretty cool that it allowed you to take it. You get these medals that are coming there, and the more that you get, then the higher it is. But there's a score counter that goes down that you have to be aware of. And if that reaches, I think it comes down from 10 and goes to 0. And if it hits 0, then you lose your bonus. So you have to be mindful of where the metals are on the screen, and you want to hit it just at the right time. You basically, it's sort of like leaving power-ups on the screen, so that way, if you were to die or going through a difficult, you can get a power-up and keep going right away. The same way with scoring, where the metals are there, and you want to catch it at just the right time in order to keep that counter going. If you take all the medals on the screen and you don't leave any on there and the counter goes to zero, then you're going to lose out on your bonus. Yep. <laughs> Which is sort of unique. I like that. The other thing that was sort of neat and I thought was fresh was the option button, right? You can change the formation of the ships. It's not something that's predefined. You do that via a button, which... Geez, that would be nice and Gradius, wouldn't it? Gradius 6, let's make it happen. <laughs> I'm trying to think of other ones. I mean, uh, in some way, um, Mushi did this a little bit. With changes upon the way that the options handle. Mm-hmm. But there really wasn't a, bu- a button for it. Right. I mean, the obvious yeah. example would be the Rising games, you know, Garega, yeah. Batrider, and uh, Battle Back Raid. 
<clears throat> we've covered I'm trying to think of before I want to go into characters there's what oh the other part I want to cover with it in game is it doesn't quite follow the ABC formula right there is for the most part there's no mid bosses in the game right the, the levels are shorter but there's more of them so you're going directly from fighting a whole bunch of popcorn really fast to fighting the boss and then you just immediately start going on to the next level I like that approach. I think it keeps it moving pretty quickly. You could say that the ABC would also work well of going from popcorn to mid-boss to popcorn to boss. What are your thoughts on this, Guru? Yeah, I mean, I think the the pacing of the game is, is structured well because it keeps the flow of the game. I mean, there are a couple of spots where there are mid-bosses, um... Like in stage two, there's that, uh, I don't know if you'd call it a mid-boss or just a large enemy. That's the thing. You've got that one uh, spaceship thing where you can blow the wings off and then, uh, you know, destroy the centerpiece. Oh, sure. It probably doesn't have enough health to be considered a mid-boss. It's probably just a large enemy. I mean, anything with Cave, like we're playing Ketsui, or uh, you're always going to have a mid-boss, which is designed to break at the pacing a little bit, have you focus a little bit more on focus shot. But here, focus shot is just you slowing down. Right. Right, so that way you can weave between some tough patterns. So it, it, it's a little bit different approach. I personally can't say I like one more than the other. Both have their ways of doing it. But if you're going to have something that is moving as fast as this is, I, I think I, I definitely appreciate it. If you, if you have a, a spot where you're going to f- go down and deal with... I, the point I'm trying to make here is if you don't have a way to attack to boost your damage output on there, then it doesn't really make sense for you to have a mid-boss in there. Is your mid boss is then going from hey we give you popcorn where you're you're constantly destroying these building up your chain to something a little bit more slower pace where you're going to have to micro dodge. Mm-hmm. If you don't have the option to attack while you're slowing down, then you're just start you're sort of slowing down the the pace of the game unnecessarily. And yeah, so that's, that's why I, I think for something like this it works out really well. And in, in most cases. Is for people who are used to the ABC with your focus shot, like uh, Dodonpachi, Ketsui, etc. It's a nice change of pace. Yeah, I would agree with that. Now, the, the game has, if I remember correctly, has seven stages. But the first three, I think you want to pass, is the first two. You have to pass without dying. Was it no miss, no bomb, in order to get to the gauntlet? Just no miss. Okay. Yeah, so what you have to do is you have to no miss stage one and two. And in the first group of enemies in stage three, uh, one of them in particular will drop a special token or or icon that is this large... It looks like a large metal, but it has question marks on it. And if you grab that, 
um, then that will unlock the ability to get into the, the gauntlet stage, which then comes after stage three. Now, if you die after you pick up that token, it will float around the screen some, and you can pick it up again, um, but you have to make sure you pick it up again or uh, or you'll miss your chance to, to go into the gauntlet. And the gauntlet takes you, well, it starts out with one, <laughs> goes two, three, and it goes higher than that, right? One of the dra there's a twin dragon boss. And what else is on, on there? Does it finish with the dragon boss? I'm trying to remember. No, the gauntlet finishes with uh, its own special boss. And realistically, the gauntlet is kind of kind of like a mini representation of of every every stage in the game to some degree um but like i said sort of condensed and so it's a really well it's called the gauntlet for a reason it's a really long sort of uh um stage that that kind of gives you a, a taste of every stage in the game, uh, but all all together kind of mashed up and with multiple boss fights during the course of it. Yeah, the I'm trying to remember what the but I remember it's that completing the gauntlet's the only way to unlock the TLB, right? Correct. Yeah, and the TLB looks like it's something that could have come from. Uh, Maybe a, uh, a Konami game, right? It looks almost like it could have been the boss of a, some sort of weird version of Contra that never was released. Yeah, yeah I suppose. <laughs> the the so I'm trying to recap. I'm looking at the stages real quick. Stage one was pretty much the green fields, and stage two was desert. That's where we fight the tanks. Stage one's got the end boss with the lasers stage two has a tank stage three is in a water zone yep and stage three has got the that sort of gradius like boss right where it's got the the, the four uh, orbs that you got to shoot they'll, they'll cover themselves up and then when they you know surprise it doesn't say shoot the core <laughs> right <laughs> big core mark seven uh the and then what I'm trying to remember what stage five was. Was stage five the alien or was that stage six? Well, stage well, if you don't run the gauntlet, then stage four becomes uh is the alien womb is what it's called. Yeah, and that that one reminds me a lot of a, a Konami type where you got your green tubes and stuff there and the emboss is very, very aliens, you know, like Contra aliens. Right. style with the, the mouth that comes out I half I expected to have sort of a joke line in there where it just puts on a top hat and starts singing hello my baby hello honey you know be like the <laughs> end of space time or space balls oh yeah check please so. hello my ragtime girl <laughs> yeah and then stage five is the uh, um, the dragon stage where you're fighting yep, yep. off all kinds of dragons. That was a stage that seems to be the most important to the developer, because that was what was cut from uh, Neo XYX. Yeah. And then stage uh, six is, I think it's called Galaxy Battle, and it's just kind of a standard space stage 
with some um, interesting enemy stuff going on. Yeah, I can't remember what the boss of that one was. Well, at stage six, the boss is known as the Exalted, and it's that giant. Um, oh, that's the thing that that like deal. moves around. Yeah, orbs and it's moving around and it fires. Was that the one that also uh, creates clones? Like yeah, in the second clones? form. Yeah, that was a weird. One. <laughs> yeah, it creates all, all the all these clones and then fires them off at you. Yep. Yep. And then what was the what was after that? Well, if you if you don't unlock the gauntlet, that's the end of the game. But okay. if you unlock the gauntlet, then you get yeah, to the fight TLB. the TLB. Uh, which is Black Serpent. Yeah, the, the Contra-looking boss, the, the master of uh, Triangle Fire. Yeah. I mean, he sort of creates these zones, right? These zones that, these triangles that come out you, and they, it really does look like it, it's something that was, came out of a, a Contra NES game with the way that they, the light infects everything. It's <laughs> not, but their lasers built together in the it's sort of these geometric shapes that come at you and you have to dodge them as you're constantly firing at them. It, it, the enemy is filling up the entire screen too. It sort of re reminded me of what the I should say the closest example I could think of is uh, Silver Surfer versus Galactus. Right, the, you got this entire this huge boss that can hold the entire planet in his hand. Versus the this little guy or this little sp spaceship. Oh right. I mean, it, it, was there anything that was striking about the TLB to you? Yeah, I mean, it's such an interesting fight because it kind of goes back and forth between the giant robot dude and then this weird sort of sequence where it looks like. After you've damaged the robot enough, it disappears, and then you get these sort of disembodied alien heart things that are floating, and then shooting out these bullet waves at you. Yeah, is it, you know what sort of reminded me, I think about that, is Contra 3, when you're fighting in, in the enclosed space on, like, stage... I think it's stage 3, I'm trying to remember. But you're fighting these robots, and all of a sudden... The background opens, and there's this giant robot, blue robot that comes, a skeleton robot. Mm. Open the stage. It reminds me of that from Contra Three, and then the uh, alien hearts almost look like they could have been an unused, unused sprite in uh, Salamander Two. Oh, sure. Uh, de definitely uh, good inspiration and. Definitely looks neat. Yeah. I mean, is there a stage that was your favorite, or you know, some enemies that stood out to you? Um, I mean, the alien womb stage has some interesting stuff going on. Um, because there's almost everything that you that you destroy will give you medals once you have. Um, once you've changed enough to, to, to do that. Um, but the alien womb stage has 
one large enemy type that does not offer medals no matter what. Um, one thing that I learned from watching a replay or uh, a clear from somebody is apparently you can bullet seal those things. So you can sit right on top of them and they won't shoot at you. I wish I had uh, dared to figure that out during the month because that would have made that stage a little bit easier. Um, but another interesting piece about that stage is then there are these other enemies that are these sort of blue, these blue uh, alien things that fly around in a erratic pattern. And the weird thing about those is they shoot out these interesting multicolor waves of bullets. Uh, but the weird thing is once the bullets get out far enough from the enemy itself, they have no hurt box. Uh, so you can just let those waves pass right over you. But if you are up close to them, point blanking, they will destroy you. Um, so it's kind of an, uh, a weird subversion of the usual trope where um, normally, you know, as the bullet wave comes out, you would want to try and either macro around it or micro through between a couple of the bullets. But the bullets themselves will not hurt you if you're sitting at the bottom of the screen versus if you're point blanking, you will you will be destroyed. There's just hmm. no getting around it. So it's kind of an interesting approach. And the boss for that stage is also very typical shmup in some ways in terms of visually and, and that, but then its attack patterns and stuff are all very, I don't know, just a little bit different than what you might be used to from a traditional shooting game. And I, I think one of the biggest things I, I've learned from and I'll get into a little bit more about this, is how the hardcore know about this game, but even so, it's hasn't... You have to still search in order to find this game. I, I, I see it on Shmup Junkie and Electric Underground, but if I were going to turn it into something from Aquas, you know, or SDG Weekly, I, I don't see it. Sure. W which tells me I wonder uh, how much mainstream appeal the game has, which worries me a little bit because I think that more people should play this game, but we'll get into this later. Yeah. Yeah, the, the stages are, are pretty nice. It, it, I immediately was able to identify the enemy, and it, I don't think it occurred to me until much later to be on top of an enemy, and that I could either bullet seal him, as you mentioned, or to not be hurt by a collision, you know, sprite collision. So it's definitely a different way of playing, and even the focus or the speed of your ship is hitting the options, almost to the point of where a demo screen or something showing you that you can bypass. Like here, you know, even the arcade games have that, right? A lot of the Neo Geo games, like Metal Slug. Here's what button does what. 
I mean, that type of information would be a good addition to this game. Sure. And, and, and help people understand. Well, any, anything else you want to add to the gameplay before we move on to the characters? Um. No, go ahead. All right. So the game starts you out with two playable characters or two playable ships, and has more you can unlock as you play. Um, the first one is the Green Knight, which has a spreadshot ship that starts with a standard three-way firing pattern and upgrades to add more bullets and more dense pattern. The bomb is a giant lightning skull that cancels bullets. You know, this is the uh, Toplan influence. Definitely. The other unlocked at start is Hell Tiger, and she has a concentrated forward fire with options that sweep back and forth. The bomb is a series with rockets that are brought from the bottom of the screen to take out enemies and bullets as they travel forward. <laughs> now, most people, in my opinion, are going to be probably liking the Green Knight a little bit more. He definitely has a larger area of effect and his bullets seem to be able to respond to threats with the Hell Tiger you're, it's more along the lines with the, what you get with a traditional shmup where your bullets you're going to have to be directly under or close to directly under an enemy as you fire it or, or in, in the case of this game directly on top of them it just provide. it's more of a instead of doing damage for being off to the side you're going to be having to be directly under them and when you're playing a game that's as aggressive as this hell tiger is certainly going to give you more of a challenge yeah so our next pilot is yellow jacket with forward piercing laser that arcs in different directions in 90 degree increments options also fire smaller lightly arcing lasers and the bomb is a large lightning storm that fills the screen cancel bullets and destroys enemies now, I think the lightnings that destroys is that that's uh, taken from Same Sama Same, right? Um, I'm not sure. No, probably not Same Same Same. There I swear that. Oh, no, I'm thinking of 1943. That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, of. There, there may be a hint of 1943 inspiration there. Yeah, I'm just waiting for like one someone to develop a shmup that takes after Data East and their crazy stuff where you just press bomb and unleashes a Sharknado. Yeah. Uh, Yellow Jacket is hard mode. <laughs> the the way that the shots move and the fact that it doesn't it doesn't really get powerful until you power up two or three times. Um, it's hard to target enemies with the lasers and the the damage is also inconsistent in terms of how you're going to apply that unless you're unless you perfectly time your fire patterns with your movement and and enemy spawns and all of that yellow jacket is going to be a you're going to have a harder time with yellow jacket uh-huh. Blue Fox is our next pilot, which fires a piercing wave shot and has some spread to it. The waves also shift direction based upon the direction you're moving. Options also shot out waves. Bomb is a giant wave explosion that starts in the center and fans out both up and down. It clears bullets and small enemies, but is very brief. Yeah, th- this is our um, 
uh, our Star Star Fox uh, uh, copy and paste, right? Yeah. But I, I'm sure that, that this character was influenced by Star Fox, not uh, copy. Uh, this is um, th- this is from Team Greylands or Fox. I'm just, uh, if I remember correctly, this is one of their earlier games, right? That, that this was pulled from a sort of like a special guest character. Oh, that could be. I didn't have a chance to play as this character. Did you? Yeah, I actually got a, a non-TLB clear with Blue Fox. Um, it's a it's a solid. I mean, it's a solid ship and a solid character. It does take a little bit to get used to that sort of directional situation with the wave shots. Um, but once you do, I I think it can be r- relatively effective. The the shortness of the bomb is the one thing that. I would say is a major detriment to the character because most of the characters bomb uh, lasts longer and has a, a a bigger effect. Our next two ships or fighters are in the OP range. <laughs> they can definitely deal some damage pretty quickly. So our first fighter is our Tyrion, Tyriantizer, also known as Caratizer, which is named after the carrot ship in Tyrion. It fires homing shots, uh, basically uh, carrots, <laughs> that angle out from the ship and then home in on the target. Options shoot the same homing shots, and Bomb drops a bunch of carrots on the top of the screen to take out enemies and clear bullets in their path. Now this ship just... Oh man, it, it just fires upon fires upon fires. It just takes out everything. Yeah, and this was the ship that I used when I was able to clear through the entire game, including the gauntlet, and get the TLB. And then we've got our other uh, OP fighter here, Cobra. Wide shot with homing missiles and secondary options add more firepower. Bomb is giant atomic bomb style with large mushroom cloud that clears bullets and enemies. The <coughs> homing missiles just make this ship or this pilot OP and really <laughs> like to create waves of mass destruction. Yeah, and I think Cobra tends to be the preferred choice for most players who um, are going for survival clears. That would definitely make sense. I mean, Caratize is, is a very close second, but yeah, Cobra would definitely... She is piloting a helicopter. Yep. All right, so let's talk about the game modes. We have our arcade, which is a standard default difficulty with six main stages. A boss rush that allows you to fight all six main stage bosses in succession. Gauntlet allows you to practice hitting Gauntlet stage by itself. That is one you got to unlock it first, though. Yep. Super Arcade is a caravan mode with three longer, more difficult stages to play through, which is pretty neat. Uh, you can just sort of argue though that the game itself is a caravan mode. Yeah, but the but the nice thing about Super Arcade is it's not just it's longer a remix, versions right? of of stages. It's actually more like a remix of the game. 
And then you have G G Z uh, Geyser or GZR start. It's arcade mode, but with checkpoint restarts instead of instant respawn upon death. Yes. So if you want to go full toe plan uh, with this game, GZR start is the way to do it. We'll have to make that my recommendation to Mark now that return from outer space. <laughs> Each ship's weapons can be powered up to level 4. Upon death, you lose one power level. You also lose a set of options if you have them. The game plays out across six main stages, which we discussed earlier. But there are two additional stages that can be unlocked. We talked about the gauntlet. There, is there anything that you want to talk about more about the gauntlet? Yeah, one of the interesting things about the gauntlet is, um, a, well, a couple things. Number one, when you unlock the gauntlet and you get to that stage, the the number of lives and the number of bombs you have access to are completely independent of the rest of the run. Um, so if you die during the gauntlet, you're not sacrificing any of your lives that you've accrued up to that point. And if you bomb during the gauntlet, you're not using up your bomb stock you've accrued up to that point. Uh, now, dying in the gauntlet is not recommended because it lowers your power level and then you go into stage four severely underpowered. Um, but it doesn't, uh, it doesn't adversely affect the number of lives or bombs that you have in stock at that point. So that's an interesting detail. But also... Uh, you kind of mentioned it before. Once you beat most of the main bosses in the gauntlet and all the different segments, there's this weird sort of buff angel type character that flies back and forth on the screen and lets out all these little uh, things like the fruits and cake and Nintendo cartridges and all that. Very Tyrion inspired. Um, and you get two rounds of that. But then you also get the gauntlet has its own um, special final boss called Maze Eye. And once you beat Maze Eye, it also does that thing where it spits out these different food items and things that you want to collect for points. Um, and so when Is you it? get to the end of the stage, the end of the gauntlet, it will tally up you know, your regular stuff like your medals and your combo and all that stuff, but then it also tallies up your collected items and you get additional bonus score from that as well. If I remember correctly, Maze Eye is a combination of several of the stage three bosses, right? The, the you have like with stage three boss you have four eyes that you have to shoot down. With Maze Eye you have like four or six platforms. Each one has four of them. Well, no, Maze Eye is uh just this giant round deal uh, on the screen and it has all these little triangle things jutting out from it around the the outside and then maybe um, I'm thinking of the bosses of the gauntlet bosses stage what would be considered stage three then oh yeah you're probably thinking of triple I triple I yes yeah but um but yeah, Maze Eye is an interesting one. And then it's got the center section that will open up and reveal this sort of, uh, I don't know. It, it's sort of like an eye, but it's more like a, 
I don't know, some sort of device or something. Uh, that sound, sounds like a uh, economy staple. Right. <laughs> and then we also spoke about this earlier, but the question mark stage or stage seven, which is the true last boss fight you unlock by be, being the game and by having completed the gauntlet in the same run. You don't have to know Mesa Gauntlet in order to lock the true last boss, but it is advised to do so due to the power loss you'll experience going stage five if you don't. And we, we talked earlier where a major strategy for boss fights for most bosses is that you don't have large hurt boxes. So for many of them, you can just fly over them. Except for the spots where they're firing from and destroy them. There's a lot of safe spots. That, or it, it's, it's a puzzle, and once you figure out the puzzle, you can stay inside the safe spot and take down the boss pretty easily. Yeah. Anything you'd like to add, Guru? Um... <laughs> Yeah, th this is one of those things where the the reason that I knew about this going into the game this month is because, if I remember correctly, someone ran this during Shmup Slam 5, and, um, and I, I watched them do this, where they were sitting over top of the bosses and destroying some of these, some of these things in a very kind of cheese fashion, and... It really illustrates the small hitbox size of the ships in the game. Um, the the one that I think is the the hardest to get used to, actually, in that sense, is the Caratizer, because its hitbox is at the back of the ship rather than being more front and center, like most of them. Keep the green part away, and you'll be there to stay. Yeah, yeah. So, speaking of hitboxes and, and look, you want to talk a little bit about the graphics? Yeah. Um, in terms of how the game looks, I would say it's very much in line with sort of an early to mid-90s arcade game. Um, on par, probably with something like a Batsugan or a Dompach or something like that in terms of the quality and detail in the sprite art, the, the color palette that's available. It sort of has a, a very Batsugan type of, of look to it in that sense because it's a lot of bright colors. There's some flashing color stuff going on. And um, and there's a lot of detail. And so, yeah, Dogeun, Batsugan, V5, or Grindstormer, it, it, it sort of invokes that, that era uh, for sure. And uh, it's, there's a lot of visual flair, almost to the point where it can be difficult to kind of take it all in at times. Just because there's a lot of activity going on and and um, certain sections where there are a lot of bullets or a lot of enemies and a lot of different things happening. But overall, I think this game is very visually appealing and uh, nice to look at 
and certainly has some interesting design and uh, um, you know aesthetic choices. What about yeah, you? We, yeah, we have mentioned earlier that it uh, it carries a, a certain um, a certain artistic sense with it, and that artistic sense makes it look very similar to what would have happened if uh, Top Topland had made a Amiga or a, a DOS game in the m mid 90s has a lot of elements that also in line with uh, Tyrion I, I think that one, one of the uh, the gameplay doesn't quite hold up but the the look of Raptor that came on the PC uh, definitely is there and that, that did a lot to draw people in especially because it was something that made it look, sort of look like a um, better than a, a little bit better than a Super Nintendo game or, or next generation at that time and I think that this game captures that, that same look to it a lot of games try and capture but I think this is the first thing that looks very similar it sort of makes you believe that it's some sort of lost uh, game that could have come out on the Amiga or could have been a DOS game Right, we talked about earlier about the, uh, um, of course the name escapes me now, but the, the the game that has a very NES look, but we couldn't di differentiate between the background, what what oh, could harm you, what doesn't. Nevultra. Nevultra, and I, I think that this game avoids so much of that, of that stuff, of those trappings that are on. There, it, it's harder than it people would think to create something that looks convincing, like it really is from the 8-bit or 16-bit era. I mean, Shovel Knight, in order to create that art style, they painstakingly went through and made several revisions and modifications to ha make it have that distinct look. And I, I can imagine the developer here doing the same thing. It, it, yeah. it, it's it, it's so good it almost looks like the real thing huh. I, I personally didn't run into any problems it was certainly manic but I personally didn't run any problems where I, I felt like I lost because of the game's fault because I couldn't read an enemy bullet and th that's, that to me says a lot and is a hallmark of a good schmuck yep now that we've talked about the uh, the looky looks or the graphics on here, let's talk about the sound. The sound effects are understated. Uh, they they don't have the uh, steel vampire <laughs> Michael Bay explosions that are o overly done. Uh, the shot types don't overwhelm the mix. Explosions aren't as prominent as you'd expect in the, due to the game's design. And it's got an excellent chiptune soundtrack from Karina, which got a vinyl release into variants Something Ghostly, the smoky green vinyl, and Galactic Attack, green with purple splatter. And I bet you own probably both copies. No, I only own the Galactic Attack version. Um, but, yeah, it's a, it's a fantastic soundtrack Karina did a great job with it and uh, I'm glad to see that it happened because the the soundtrack was originally supposed to get a vinyl release through kind of a crowdfunding thing 
which didn't happen. Um, but then uh, Respawned Records picked it up at some point for a release. And um, I'm glad that they did because uh, it really is uh, good work. But the music is definitely the focal point um, in terms of the audio experience with the game. There are sound effects and there's stuff going on, but yeah, it, it really is not. I think it's just window dressing. The music really is the the uh, main event in that regard. Now, looking at the scoring, um, there are three main components to scoring in this game. You have chaining, you have collecting medals from fallen enemies, and you have not dying. Um, now, the interesting thing about chaining is that you can accomplish that by both landing hits on enemies, but then also collecting medals. And so uh, there are spots in the stages where there will be short lulls where there will be no enemies. And these are opportunities where you can kind of space out collecting the medals that come from the, the dead foes so that you can keep your chain going just long enough until you get to the next group of enemies. And so obviously the, the longer you're able to chain, the larger chain that you, um, that you achieve, then the higher the multiplier you ultimately will reach. Um, and then of course chaining plays into your metal collection as well, uh, because then the faster you you reach a higher chain level, then the more points your subsequent medals will be worth because they, they sort of increase in value based on the amount and the, the way that they've been chained. Uh, the max chain is a thousand. And the idea is to prioritize getting to that as quickly as you can and then not dying uh, so that you can maintain that higher level multiplier and so the way that works is as you as you start to land hits on enemies uh for each hit that you land it adds to your multiplier uh or to your chain value and so you earn you earn no multiplier value up to the first uh 50 chain hits and then once you hit 50 then you earn a times one multiplier up to 249. And then from 250 to 749, it's a times two multiplier. From 750 to 999, it's a times three multiplier. And then once you hit a thousand in your chain, then it's a four times multiplier. And so that allows you to increase the amount of, of points enemies are worth and also um, the value of your medals. Each stage also has a no miss bonus and the longer you can no miss the higher that end stage bonus is going to be for each subsequent no miss. And so your initial no miss bonus is 500,000 points and then the next one is 1 million and then one and a half million and so forth. Um, and this is going to be a major factor in your score, especially because of how much you get then by the time you get to the end of the game. 
Uh, no miss is also important in your metal collection, because if you die during a stage, then your metal count reduces to a third of what you had before you died, and then your end stage metal tonal total will be greatly diminished. And then, of course, dying also drops your, your chain, so then you've got to build that back up. Uh, some enemies will drop larger metals also that are worth more base points, and that'll be affected by your multiplier and uh, tally for additional points at the end of the stage. And then the end stage chain bonus is based on your max chain times 250. So as you chain, you'll have a counter that starts after each enemy hit or metal collection, and that'll run out if you don't collect another metal or land additional hits on enemies. Um, there's a there's a bonus at the end of the stage for the number of lives you have in stock. And it wasn't very clear how that's calculated. I also didn't see that on the Super X, uh, Super XYX page on the Shmups Wiki that that was uh, gone into. It's not a very large bonus. Um, so unless you're super optimizing the game for score, it's probably not going to be significant enough to worry about. But obviously, if you're if you're doing the strats and trying to get in for the no miss anyway so that you can be powered up by the end of the game then you're going to get whatever the max is for each each stage anyway did you have any other thoughts on the scoring no the scoring pretty much lies down to always keep medals on the screen so that way you can always keep your countdown timer set to maximum so that way you can always increase your multiplier as much as possible right it's all a matter of like what when do how how can i keep this going in some way akin to as i mentioned earlier leaving power-ups on the screen so that we can collect them at just the right time it's about timing knowing the game in precise time when to collect the metals it's not over the top where you have to know exact routes or stuff, but you you do have to keep in mind and memorize and know when you're going to be able to get these medals and when to collect them. Right. Just complicated enough. <laughs> yep. And one of the things I wanted to add in here before I forget is uh, Karina does almost all her music in YM2150 and YM2612. And the reason why that's important is 2150, that is the Yamaha sound chip that started out with Marble Madness but was used in so many arcade games throughout the late 80s. And uh, 18 used that on several other games into the mid-90s. And the YM2612, almost everyone's heard of that chip, right? Absolutely. That, That's in the Sega Genesis. You are correct. So there is a reason why it sounds so familiar, because it was made using the, the same synthesizing chips you got from the arcade games of that time and out of the Sega Genesis. Yep. And if you're going to go doing something that makes it look look similar, use the exact same stuff and make it make it sound identical. Love it. Mm, yep. 
I was looking at her band camp. She's got some uh, metal tunes on here that I'm going to have to take a look at. Yep. All right. Well, now that we've given out a lot of impressions, graphics, and uh, other miscellaneous tidbits, let's move on to what everyone thought for the game. Our first thoughts come to us from Super Goat. I wonder if he's played Goat Simulator 1, 2, and 3. <laughs> I think this game should be subtitled How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Love the Bomb. Dr. Strange Goat. <laughs> I, level 1 kicked my butt for a while and I breathed through to the womb. I enjoyed Super XYX a lot. Oh geez, here's another concatenation we're going to have to try. Have you played Sizzix today? The technical issue I encountered is that I haven't been able to get to Steam Deck did as it put a wrench in my playing time since it's a lot easier for them to play things portably, but I can tend to play on other computers. Yeah, that was the other thing a lot of people had problems was getting this to run. I, I didn't have any problems, but it's, it seemed to crash quite a bit for people. Yeah. Now, Supergoat did eventually get it to run on Steam Deck after the month was over. Um, but, uh, yeah, not during the month. Mm, that's a shame. Uh, Roguish Ham posted a photo of, uh, a TV mounted on the wall in Tate mode. And says, as Dave what? intended. Yeah, playing as the creator intended. That TV mount was one of the best investments I made. Scrolling is kind of chunky, though. Need to mess with the settings. Frames dropping for some reason. Yeah, uh, tape mode is definitely the one. In fact, if I remember correctly, the uh, Neo XYX, I don't think that has a um, horizontal or... Um, I'm so used to saying tape, I forgot the other word. Yoko. Yoko, thank you. Yoko Ono. No, uh, it has a Yoko Ono <laughs> mode. No. <laughs> that one does not have a... a uh, a Yoko mode, if I remember correctly. It's Correct. straight uh, Tate. Yeah, in fact, I think it's the only Tate Neo Geo game. Oh, that could be. That's why people are charging so much. It's <laughs> all about the Tate. No, Yoko. It's all about that Tate. Jeez. <laughs> oh, our next comment comes to us from Dingo. Dude, I have the worst shmup club luck. Truly cursed. First, the Konami Arcade Collection had the game-breaking bug on Steam, but I have Super XYX and it crashes at startup every time. I even transferred across PCs. Like, it used to crash on my old computer. I got a new laptop, installed Steam in the game, and it proceeded to give me the exact same error and crash. It sucks. This game is a lot of fun. I just started getting into it at that time. I'm so sorry, my man. Hopefully you can get it working on here. Yeah, there was some discussion in the in the Discord on that, and there is a fix in the in the Steam community page for the game. It's a little convoluted, but um, a couple of other folks were able to get that to run. Uh, so it is worth trying. Well, that's good to hear. Hopefully he was able to get it going. Uh, Corkman77 uh, said, Got to the final boss on one credit. I think I can do this if I clean up some things on stages 5 and 6. And then later uh, said, 
I got the clear with the Green Knight. My score wasn't very good. I died in stage 2, 4, and 6, so no big no-miss bonuses, like my top score where I no-missed stages 1 through 4. I got two more clears, one with Karatizer and one with Cobra. Only one death with Cobra. It should have been a no-miss run, but I screwed up on the stage 4 boss. Still my best score was when I didn't clear the game. And then later still, I posted, I've noticed the multiplier resets when you die. My main goal now is to no-miss the game. Then try to increase the chain if possible, or take on the higher difficulty. I cleared Super Arcade on normal difficulty with Cobra. Not a no-miss run. I died twice, but there's a huge possibility for meddling in this mode since there are so many more enemies. I think Super Arcade might have more room to improve your score from run to run. There's a lot more enemies, so there's more ability to keep the meddling and chain going. SPM says, finally tried it. Some first impressions. Fun game and scoring with a great OST. The chain timer seems quite forgiving, but dying is too punishing. Most of my personal best was achieved before the first death. Half of it from the gauntlet bonus. Perfect for light scoring, but probably infuriating for anyone trying to get a no-miss scores. The short route is a good and cohesive third score. Sorry. The short route is a good and cohesive. The long one has a weird structure, including the gauntlet halfway through. I would have preferred at the end of the run before the TLB. I use a green chip with a wide shot, a bit slow, but not too bad. I think the lives and bombs in the gauntlet are independent from the rest of the run, which we talked about earlier. Yes, they are. It's like a bonus stage, basically. I wasted most of my bombs there, and after that stock, I still have plenty. Not 100% sure about it, but that's what I think happened. Played around with the carrot. Very safe. No miss until the TLB, and I almost lost all my lives there. I don't understand that fight. The game has so many safe spots, particularly playing from one of the homing shots, so basically I didn't make any risky movements to grab extra medals or anything. Abuse safe spots, usually in the top left corner or the side of enemies, and drop bombs whenever I was scared. The homing shot did the rest. Still, no super arcade mode. I unlocked Cobra, though. I just cleared arcade mode and plus the gauntlet and beat Black Serpent. I'll share the unlocks below here as proof, and if anyone wants to know what they are. Clear challenging difficulty, not a perfect run, but effective. Challenging throws a few more bullets at you, and enemies are a little more of a bolt sponge, but it's not too bad. I picked up this game back when it was first released, since Mark MSX made it sound so good. I played it a little back then, and was certainly overwhelmed with too many other schmumps to play, so I was happy that the schmup club picked this for the month. I like the total vibe of this game. It's a video gaming metal and hard rock, but in colorful hair metal type way. Not only the excellent music, but also the imagery of the characters and bosses, but at the same time, it doesn't take itself too seriously. It adds some good goofiness to it with the characters like Caratizer and its naked mystery character that drops candy fruit in video game carts. I'm sure that would probably get you arrested in 50 out of the 50 states. This Halloween, there's there is a naked mystery character that drops candy and fruit. Watch out, kids! <laughs> Soundtrack is fantastic, and I picked up on Bandcamp an ad to my game music playlist. I would also like to mention that the excellent sound effects that bring a lot of punch to your shots, blowing up enemies, and collecting medals. 
It reminds me a lot of later Topline games, especially VV or Grindstormer because of the gameplay and big chunky bullet sponge mid-level enemies and sprites that make it feel zoomed in comparison to other games. It also has a layer Topland feel where the game tries to herd you into a corner at times and the remnants of Topland will go on to master as cave. But this game still has some of the old school DNA where aim fast bullets will snipe you at times. There were some cool unlocks including ships and game modes that felt very rewarding after accomplishing some feat in the game. The secret content lent was fun, surprise, and added much needed difficulty to the game. Super Arcade mode was a little short, but provided an opportunity to play around with scoring tactics and get those numbers really high. I guess my only minor complaint is that the game could have had a higher difficulty setting. Challenging difficulty wasn't much of an increase. Also, you could cheese a lot of the bosses, so you, once you learned the trick, they became pushovers. Overall, I was pleasantly surprised at how much I enjoyed this game and kept wanting to play it. It's a keeper, and I'll definitely come back to it from time to time for a few quick runs. Very nice. Uh, Schlarp jumped in and said, I made it to the Hellfires stage, Gauntlet Mist. And then um, later on offered some final thoughts. End of the month again, and I realize how little I have played. According to Steam, still, 19 hours, but I feel like I just scratched the surface. I had quite some trouble with the game. First off, visibility. I often had the feeling enemy bullets were difficult to see, especially against the Green Knight's Spreadshot, the character I used the most. In later stages, like Hellfires, enemy bullet design against the background were giving me trouble. Secondly, speed. Once I went through the settings and made the game run at 60 FPS, I thought the speed is just crazy. Lastly, balance and difficulty. First stage felt very difficult compared to stages 2 and 3 including bosses, and I cannot count how many times I just restarted stage 1 just to get a good start. In Hellfires and Alien Womb difficulty ramped up again, but felt natural, but introducing more problems with visibility. Eventually, I got used to it and made some progress. Just not reached a 1cc, but I want to try that when I find some time. Next to those issues, I just adore the audiovisual presentation in the setting. Very nice. A Creighton says, I just picked this up this afternoon, trying to figure out what's going on. I'll try and post more, more uh, I will try and post more shortly. Well, hopefully you had a fun time with the game. Yeah. And, uh, let's just quickly recap some scores here. SPM, uh, dominated with, uh, the Caratizer run, and, uh, ended up with, a. Final score of 53,982,530 points. Uh, I came in second with my Caratizer run, uh, 46,369,760 points. Corkman had 13,662,360 points. And then Schlarp uh, came in with 9,126,950 points. Uh, and then Quirkman was the only one who uh, posted scores for other modes. So he got a super arcade score of 50,034,790. Uh, 
and then the challenging difficulty uh, score of 8,220,568 points. Very nice. GG all. So, now that we've discussed this game and uh, our six hours of shmup news, uh, what are your thoughts on Super XYX? Yeah, this is, uh, this is an interesting one for me because it was a game that, like I said, I remember seeing in Shmup Slam, and I bought it at some point after it came out, and my initial impressions of the game were, wow, this is difficult, because I was, I guess I was not sure what to expect, but I wasn't expecting what I got, and, um... So when I first played it, I couldn't even get a stage one. I felt like everything was going really fast and and I was having a hard time following it and bullets were, were coming at me pretty quickly and I didn't really I didn't really know what I what I was doing. And I kind of felt that way with the, the Xeno trilogy as well. Um, feeling like maybe the action moved a little bit too fast or there was more going on and I just wasn't getting it. But coming back to the game, um, I I took to it fairly quickly and was able to progress pretty fast in terms of being able to get through the, the better part of the game. And I, I had a pretty good time with this one. Um, you know, I enjoyed the the overall audio-visual experience, but in terms of gameplay, you know, I feel like it it has a nice balance between the accessibility of being able to kind of run the game how you want, but also then having certain routes and things that tend to work best. Um, and so it's really a matter of finding what the best route is through the game while also recognizing that you can kind of put your own personality into it in that sense and run the game in a way that's going to to work for your playstyle without punishing I know nice thought yeah I like you had originally picked this up not so much because of shmup slam but because I had Neo XYX and I was like, oh, cool. But then all of a sudden I remember that how much Neo XYX kicked my butt. And I said, you know, I said, oh, uh, I'll play it for a little bit. And I remembered, oh, yeah, this is hard. And just sort of shelved it. And I was like, this, I came back to it. That's why after Mark MSX and look at Shmup Junkie, they, they were very highly praising the game. And I thought, oh, well. Maybe I should give another second look. So I scheduled this in here. It's something that what I feel like we we have gotten some standardized uh, shmups, but I don't want to get too Damaku heavy. Is that that uh, um, n- never go full Damaku, right? Uh, I, I feel like there's some sort of Princess Bride reference on there, right? <laughs> never go fun, full Damaku when when the shmup club's on the line um <laughs> inconceivable but it, it it's 
I want hunts was looking for something that I hadn't really tried before. I was trying to go the, the, I, I, if you go for training on improving what you feel comfortable with and I don't want to call it tolerance, but they define three things, right? You have your inner circle, what you're comfortable with. You have your outer circle, which is stuff that you're uncomfortable with, but you can deal with. And then you have your outer circle where you just sort of tune out. Right. And I wanted to get to that point where I was comfortable with something, but it wasn't it wasn't fully within my comfort zone. I wanted to branch out some more. And at this point, your standard stuff and your Damaku, most of it is a known factor, right? We know how this stuff plays. So I was trying to find something different. I was like, okay, I will give this a try. Even if I'm uncomfortable with it and don't like it, I'll at least learn something from it. <laughs> so uh, when I started playing this again, and I was like, dang, I'm getting my butt kicked. But the more and more I play it, I'm like, oh, this is different. This is something that I really like this. And I ended up liking the game a lot more than I had anticipated. To the point that I think it, it's something that I could see myself going back to and playing for 30 minute increments I don't see myself playing as much as Gunvane but it's, it's definitely staying on my computer and will definitely be one that I fire up from time to time I, I think it's well balanced the graphics are good the soundtrack is good but it, it's not at the point it needs to be if you're going to be going for let's say a Gunvane or commercial type release there are a couple of things holding it back Number one, I I think that the it, it needs some sort of explanation or a quick explanation on what the buttons do. Some something like Metal Slug, where it just says, "Hey, press this here." Press here is so, it may sound like I'm nitpicking, but these are like small quality of life improvements that you probably hear almost everybody talk about now. Where you need to know what the buttons do. The, if you went into the options menu, it did give the ability to remap the pad. But most games these days allow you to press the key that you're looking for. Heck, even the mister does this. Here, you're having to cycle through the options, right? So well, that was a bit of a detriment. Yeah, I prefer to do an input. It's minor, but uh, a detriment. <laughs> the, the ability of missing what are call, I call the M2 features of doing save states and being able to repeat certain stages yes you could do a boss gauntlet but the bosses aren't really what the biggest hurdle with it right it's making sure you memorize the stages and the routes it's pretty well balanced but it would still be nice to have those type of features sure that makes sense and uh, i may have missed it but was there a, a, a soundtrack or sound check within the game uh i, couldn't... I... There might be in the options menu. I did not. I did I'm not, not verify sure. that. If it's not, I'll have to check myself. But if it's not, and the other thing too is it. It needs to be have someone take a look. It doesn't have to be the any one of the original developers, but it needs to have someone move it to something more modern. It's got way. Too, it's got too many PC related performance issues or crashes to reach that wider audience. So, for me, I would put it under great, but not perfect. It, 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 it needs... 
a couple of things to make it. And to be fair, even Demonizer, a shmup that I, I definitely loved and thought was great, still needs some small improvements. And they're going... <coughs> excuse me. The dev... <coughs> Thankfully, responded to those, took those words, and made appropriate changes. So, I I would like to see this brought out more on something that would have a wider appeal, whether it's PSN or it comes out via East Asia Soft, maybe on the Switch. I would like to see more people play it. it it's sort of a shame that Neo XYX is the one that's remembered when it is. At least in my opinion, and you could argue that most people's opinion, the inferior version. People are chasing something and spending you know, hundreds or thousands of dollars when they could get a much better version for $10. Sure. And, and I, I, I think that these type of things might be holding it back a little bit for recognition in the shmup community I'm very excited to see what he will do with his Genesis game I think he's got the right mindset and he is building upon and improving with each one but in this day and age there's a certain level of expectations that are are like the ability to just enter in a a button remapping that the ability to practice instead of having to go through the entire stage minor things sure but if if you are going to do it as a very polished and you want to get that out there as a package release the stuff that needs to be done so i highly recommend it go buy it on itch.io or steam support the developers so they can keep creating these type of games there's just a small sort of things that I would like to see improved on to make it an incredible game. And, you know, none of the stuff that I mentioned has anything to do with gameplay, graphics, or sound. Right? They're all technical stuff. Right. So I, I think with a little bit of polish on here, it could be a game that sees a wider audience and gets more people playing. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. That and the soundtrack. Go buy the soundtrack on Bandcamp. Mm, indeed. All right, so now that we've given our thoughts here, what's next? Well, next uh, we have a, a lot of people unlocking ships with us and a, line, a, weight, a big weight in the line of the DMV for me for our type final. <laughs> And then in July of 2023, which is as we record this again, apologies for adulting, uh, taking away from podcast recording, we have Panzer Dragoon, and I am certainly going to be playing probably on either PS4 or maybe on GOG. I I don't think I'm going to dare try the original PC release that required a uh, specialized graphics card. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's other ways too. There's the Xbox release, and uh, it's it's out on Switch as well, and Steam. Yep. Yeah, this uh, yep. this is kind of our shmup adjacent game, if you will. This, this is our Metal Fro needs more time to 
finish up all the side quests in Tears of the Kingdom. Uh, uh, something like that. All right, and then stick with us because in August we're going to end the summer with a bang with Deep Space Waifu. I don't think so. No. Deep Space Waifu Unlimited? No. Oh. Wow. <laughs> no. <laughs> uh, as always, we would like to thank you, Trem, for the logo. Make sure to check him out. He's streaming on under what Etram eighty eight on on Twitch, Twitch on usually on Saturday nights. I thank uh, him also for the podcast shirts, which yep. you've got a new design for, don't you? Yes, and uh, yeah, the new design was done by A Creighton, who is in our Discord, and of course we mentioned earlier uh, having participated with us. Um, for Super Zykes, and the idea behind this is I came up with this concept, but I couldn't, I'm not a good enough artist to, to realize the vision, but essentially it is a parody of the Bass Pro Shops logo, but instead of Bass Pro Shops, it says Boss Pro Schmups, and instead of the regular fish design that's on there, uh, a. Creighton did a wonderful rendition of the Golden Ogre, which is the first boss in Darius Gaiden. And it turned out better than I could have imagined. And we've already sold multiple t-shirts, stickers, and hats. And uh, yeah, I'm really excited about it. Uh, and they turned out great. So definitely go check those out. Uh, they're on redbubble.com. And if you literally just go on Redbubble and search for Boss Pro Shmups, you'll find it. Excellent. Yeah, I got to get myself one of these. Uh, <laughs> I love that photo of a guy showing it off and there's this cat, cat just in the background saying, I got to get me one of those. Yeah. All right. I'd like to thank Kogusu for the intro and outro music. Everyone from the Press Playcast and Collectorcast, even if they uh, get us delisted due to copyright. I'd like to thank Metalfro for streaming and helping us uh, get through our adult adulting with the um, Parrot Dogs. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess, again, I just want to shout out A. Creighton because the artwork... It was fantastic, and it came together better than I imagined it might. Um, so I'm really pleased with how it how it turned out, and and um, just how good it looks. Excellent. And don't forget that everyone pick up Vampire Survivors because we will definitely be playing that sometime. Maybe like a December game of the month or something. Where our next uh, shmup adjacent. Okay. All right. Well, thank you all for listening, and we'll catch you next month. Thank you.